the frying pan. And into the fire, run. Run! Welcome to episode 7 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast that's so laid back it doesn't give an FAQ. Um, I'm here with Dan today. How's it going, Dan? It's not bad. It's nobody's asleep, but that, that one's something favourite so far. I like that. I love the fact that I don't know what's coming with these as well. I've had to explain that to someone recently that we had no idea that was coming with the previous one and it's just brilliant. Um, so it's build up a, a <laughs> reputation and then harder to uh, come up with um right so um hey how, how are you how are you doing uh yeah not bad uh not bad it's um yeah it's, it's hard to really track it because obviously we've uh wibbly wobbly timeline style we've uh once again we've we've had people on and uh we've recorded this in uh different chunks so it's hard to work out exactly how long it's been since uh, we sort of released the last completed one. But uh, yeah, yeah, all good. I've uh, been doing lots of really cool uh, Middle-earthy stuff as well as other bits of hobby. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, really, really, really uh, enjoyed the last couple of weeks worth of hobby. Um, finished building my uh, bits and pieces that I've been doing recently. Finally got some games in and uh, just generally been chatting loads of middle earth with different people so it's been good how about yourself yeah pretty good pretty busy i mean we'll go we'll go into more detail when we we get into many meetings but yeah i've been uh pretty busy got more hobby than i thought which we'll talk about um and followers of the um the show will, will know anyway um but yeah i think i think it's been about 10 12 days since we put the last show out but yeah we've we've recorded uh an interview which is coming up a little bit later in the show and we were uh, sort of arranging the interview which might well be for the next show now as well so it's all kind of uh yeah you get a little bit out, out of sync um so I'll, I'll briefly go through what we got coming up then um so we're gonna crack into many meetings after a break in a moment and uh, we'll elaborate on what we've just been kind of hinting at there um and then for our main section for the council of Elrond today we have andrew cox um coming on the show He's already been on the show. Um, and talking about his, his, his Tawny website, which I'm using for, for Flotsam and Jetson. Um, talking about Beer Clipper, his uh, YouTube channel and sort of everything SPG related on top of it as well. It was a really good chat. Um, so um, let's take a little break and we'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll do our hobby catch up. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. Welcome back. So... We've hinted already that we've both been pretty busy with our uh, hobby over the last couple of weeks. We should mention, actually, Sam's Sam's away uh, on his brother's stag do at the moment. That's why he's not with us this evening for recording. Um, is it, Gallivanting. Is it Barcelona we went to? Went to what is in? Uh, yeah, although I've not seen particularly many photos of the uh, 
you know the famous architecture or any of the uh, more notable landmarks, the Ramblas, etc. It's mostly uh, people with green faces. So it's very Lord of the Rings, isn't it? It's very um, Middle Earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, he seems to be having a good time. Um, I think the last message I saw from him in our little Facebook chat was uh, that he needs water and steamed vegetables. He's obviously feeling a little bit. Uh, like he needs to detox. Um, hopefully, when we there's less of a kebab. Go on, get on with it. <laughs> well, he'll be. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back with us for the next episode, and you can tell us all about it then. But uh, so, so you hinted it in our little sort of mini intro there. So, what have you been up to then? What's what you've been doing for the last couple of weeks? Well, I've been enjoying the uh, hobby bingo, to be honest. And um, actually, it brings up we. There's a little gaming group we've got um, amongst a few of us on a Monday. Um, extra to the Legion of Peterborough, but um, there's a few of us who uh, congregate around Pete's um, Uplander, for those who might follow him on uh, Instagram. He does do some uh, really good hobby, uh, worth checking out, even if uh, it's not Middle Earth related strictly. If you're, um, but yeah, we, if we you're into your 40k and your 30k, definitely, definitely give him a search, because very good stuff. Oh, his head's going to be massive now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we, we congregate around there and um, we were talking about the hobby bingo actually on uh, this Monday just past, and we're all just saying, why don't we have this for the for the game systems? Because it spurs you on to do such a great hobby. And uh, Ben keeps saying, we'll just make our own. I think that may have to happen to be honest, because it is a really really good way of spurring you on to get some real hobby done. You think, oh, I don't like uncompleted uh, you know boxes. I want to have those little crosses for them. <laughs> so I've actually been uh, sort of really thinking about it and trying to find time for hobby and cracking on. Some people might have seen from our various social medias. I've um, done Kellerborn, so he's got his and hers matching gym jams with uh, Gladriel now, both in their shiny pajamas. Um, for whatever reason, is uh, I have to admit when I um, I blacked out some bits uh, around his waist uh, for the sort of gold sash he's got, and he did not look like a ninja master. He's got his white jumpsuit on with his black belt. I thought that's brilliant. I nearly left it, but I thought no, I can't do that. If you put a little beard on him, he look because his hair he looked like a bit like a Qui Gon, wouldn't he? Yeah, that chap from uh, Kill Bill. He keeps flicking his moustache over his shoulder. I think that'd be brilliant. But yeah, I really enjoyed painting him. That um, I did him last night as we record. That would have been the Tuesday. Um, my usual painting night with Will. It just sounds like I do nothing but hobby, doesn't it? I, I do do other things. I promise. I go to sleep and go to work and uh, see my other half. I do. Um, but yeah, I painted him last night. Really enjoyed that. I've been really enjoying doing little um, painting palette cleansers because I've got other bits and pieces on the go. Not all of it's Middle Earth related, and uh, you know, it's nice to just duck back in, do a quick little, you know, smasher a model, something you really enjoy painting. Quite a nice sculpt, and you know, you just do it and finish it in the evening, and you, you put it out, and then you think, ah, that's great. I've done something, and it ticks a couple more boxes. Uh, I paint a model you've uh, previously painted a different version of them because obviously i've done uh, Kelleborn with his armor and his sword and his shield so that was uh, really good yeah, three good. weeks in the making finally got hold of uh ben play a game with uh, against his serpent horde for flotsam and jetsam his 500 points with yep. oh them elephants <laughs> my word it's the first time i've ever played against one uh, certainly within middle earth strategy battle game as it is obviously Way back in the day, when they first all came out, um, the original version of the Strategy Battle game, saw them on the table, played a couple of big games down at uh, the local games workshop when I used to be staff. But it's the first time in this new edition of the rules uh, that I've faced one. And they are terrifying. Uh, obviously, uh, Ben's is ever slightly more terrifying. But, uh, very enraged. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he, that elephant's excited for carnage. Um 
Um, but they're really, really tough. Um, if it wasn't for the high courage, I literally managed to uh, brick wall um, his uh, elephant twice on when he trampled by using Kelleborn. Luckily, he made all his fate saves on the first round and he took him down to wound on his second, so he had to stop because oh. he hadn't killed his target. And I, luckily, I brought it down over a couple of rounds of combat. My dice were terrible. Incidentally, the dice that Ben bought me sense of conspiracy <laughs> we're up at warhammer world and i've forgotten my dice so he, he grabbed me some because he had a few points and uh yeah those <laughs> dice did not work for me at all but i did manage to claim the victory in the end of that luckily um look basically high fight high courage is what won that game for me yeah yep. literally down to nothing else because passing those terror tests against um the betrayer and the elephant and then managing to roll high enough to win the fights even if I couldn't necessarily deal the damage out that I needed to. It stopped him hitting me. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And if I could get the priorities, obviously I could charge into his Mumak and prevent him trampling me. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah, fight value is huge, and that's why strike's such an important... Um, yes, um, it's really weird playing with the... Because obviously the first game I've ever played with those elves, so you just watch that six come up and you just watch your opponent go, oh, for this sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, isn't it? As soon as you... Right, if you've got high fight, that's it. You're on a six. That's it. Good Absolutely. night, Vienna. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. And um, he's coming back around uh, to my place on Friday with Will, um, who's the other half of their Flotsam team. Um, I'm going to uh, proxy uh, Sam's half of our uh, yeah. list, so the, the Fellowship, because nice. Ben's got some. So I'm gonna we're going to play a 1,000 points of mine. Uh, I'm going to play both sides of our uh, Sam and I's partnership, and uh, those two boys are going to test it. The idea of facing two of those blinking elephants... I'm a little bit worried about it, but it'll be a laugh. Besides, so it's home turf, so I can always throw them out if they uh, win too concise. You know, they do too well. Get out of my house. See how it goes. I mean, you, you, what what you're going to use to proxy? You've got a leggy anyway, haven't you? You're gonna. I think Ben's got a set of fellowship, so oh, I think we may have to not actually proxy. He said he's uh, he's got those. So depending on when we release this, that that game may have passed, or it may yet to be to come. Yeah. Uh, I might pass some post some stuff up to the uh, the old social media if we release this before that game goes ahead. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, it's been good for for hobby, and I've been really excited about easy stuff anyway in general. So how about yourself? What have you been up to? As if we don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot more than I, I I planned to really. My plan was just to kind of crack on with the terrain building for for Flotsam and Jetsam, but for some reason I um, decided to build a a painter whole goblin town army it's a bit weird really i think there is a slight correlation with the faq which we'll probably touch on a little bit later but not not in detail but because my it's um, been done <laughs> yeah exactly but we'll, we'll, we will mention it i think because i think it'd be odd to not talk about it at all but my um my my evil army that was nearly finished or 75 percent finished suddenly became illegal my azogs legion and hunters list so it suddenly kind of thinking, oh, I've got to buy some miniatures now to, to, to make an evil army. And I really want an evil army. I really want to, not only do I want to tick the box off, so this is about the hobby bingo thing. Um, I want to own an evil army that's painted. I've got, you know, three good armies painted already. Or four, I suppose, really, if you count the two flavors of doors. So I've got four armies, good armies painted. I really want this evil army. And I thought, well, I've talked a lot about, and mainly not so much on the podcast, I don't think, but I've talked a lot about all this goblin town I've got. Um, I bought the Goblin Town box on eBay a couple of years ago when I nearly got into the game a couple of years back. A couple of years back, and then I bought a second box on eBay 
oh, about six weeks ago, wasn't it? It wasn't too long. I, mainly because I wanted the train in it for, for Flotsam and Jetsam. And I found a bargain. It was like £35, £40 for the, for the complete set. Um, so I've got, I had two sets of Goblin Town. I just thought, well, I've got the models. And I had this theory about doing it using sort of Zenithal painting um, for the airbrush and then using some contrast on top and um, doing it really, really quickly. So I wanted to see how, how quickly I could do it. And I just thought, screw it got all the models out worked out what sort of points it would be and it's just i think it was by creating making an extra captain converting an extra captain out of the spare grinner model um i think it's like 595 and then um and that's with like enough a fair few of these double-handed axe dudes um and then Gollum as well um i didn't own him at the point so so i thought right i'm gonna do it i prepped the models most of them were built already um and under and prime so i just sort of tidied up where they weren't quite right um and then i just thought oh, sod it i'm gonna go for it and i got down all these different layers of flesh tones in sort of zenithal style um sort of almost top down um building up some nice shadow and leaving it quite pink on the top did the whole lot characters included um and then i went back and um sort of used lots of glazes over the top to sort of turn it back down again and picked out the all the little spots and stuff and basically painted a whole, I won't go into detail because you can go onto our um, Facebook page and group and I've, I shared sort of about, I think it was five different posts that sort of showed the different pictures of the different stages I did a painting but I painted the whole army in I can't even remember what I said now, it was about 14 hours or something like that. Yeah, I think you said 14 hours so which around, is... Around the, I, I didn't time it with a stopwatch so it was somewhere in the region of that about 14 hours in total um, i spent a little bit more time on the goblin king but he was really easy to paint up so using the same sort of same techniques but then just sort of glazing in um greens and stuff and a few more tones to the skin and he, and he looks like a much higher standard than, than the rest of them do just because there's a larger model a bit more space to do those you know put put the processes into into practice with but so it's a good composition of shapes on him Yes, it lends itself. Lovely it's model. Odd as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. So I've got a spare one of him left sitting around, and a spare um, um, scribe, I think. Um, and you need to do a dead one. Do a dead one. Do a dead scribe. <laughs> no, no, the, um, the 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 goblin king. The goblin you know king. when he lands, when he oh, when he that will do it. I'm not sure how well he'll um, convert into that. It's quite a lot of work, but um, yeah, maybe send it to Jack. It'd be fine. <laughs> 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 yeah, it might hurt my bank balance a bit but yeah you do a good job of it um so yeah so i ended up painting this this army so now i do have a um well because Gollum arrived as well i do have a over 600 points worth of uh evil army so that ticked the box so i i finished painting it on the last day i was painting it i found Gollum on a rock on ebay for like 3.99 so i bought that and that arrived the very next day and I thought, that's what I said. Right, I'm gonna let let me see if I can do this 48 hour from arriving thing, because um, Gollum, it should be quite easy to do. Um, and then <laughs> I posted up a picture saying I've got it, and Jeremy Hunter from um, the Green Dragon said, um, we "Should do it in 48 minutes." And I thought, okay, well, that's a really really fun idea. Um, <laughs> so I kind of took an early lunch break, so to speak, because I'm working. Um, and did it in 45 minutes and I did go back afterwards and um, touch up the rock and the basing on it basically because I did the, my I did my invisible one as well at the same time I did it just afterwards so I based him afterwards and wanted to make the, the bases max 100% so I had just added a little bit more detail to the base but 
model was definitely painted fully within 45 minutes so six so counts yeah exactly it was it was really good fun really good fun to do it so yeah i had absolutely no plan i didn't think i was going to be painting any of my own miniatures really until after flotsam and jetsam i had no plans to paint the whole army and um since we last recorded yeah not only did I paint a whole army, but I did it in a ridiculously short period of time, uh, under 15 hours for the whole thing. But so I, I ticked off loads of boxes for that. So I've got the obviously got the start a new army, finish an evil army. Um, what is it? Monster because the because the Goblin King's got monster keywords. Yeah, that's count. Um, build and paint a new model for one of your armies. Well, I'd finished an army and then Gollum arrived, so I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having that and use a new technique the glazes with the uh, uh, contrast colours that's the point I don't think I've ticked that off so that's another yeah. box um, there's more as well I think um, finishing model that's been on to do pile for a whole for over more than a year well I've owned that Goblin Town for for considerable yeah exactly and I've always planned to do them I hadn't sold them on because I wanted to do them to sort of do some of the narrative scenarios so and there might have been another one in that lot as well but I've, yeah I've ticked off uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, probably twelve boxes in total now. So, from me saying it on our um, hobby bingo show that I thought I was going to struggle for a while, I've actually ticked off a fair few. So, that was yeah, that. I don't know how many I'm at. I think I'm on what? I'm on ten. I'll take that. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I've had I've had a, a real blast. I've really enjoyed my personal hobby for the last couple of weeks more than i have done in a while because it's just fun doing a challenge and then sharing it i don't normally do a lot of um work in, in progresses it's quite fun saying well this is the challenge i set myself this is it rather than doing it all and then just telling people at the end and obviously if you only listen to the podcast and you're not in the facebook page or group even though i did share it to gbh other stuff so there's a good chance you've seen it but um but yeah it was nice sort of saying this is what i'm doing this is what i'm going to try and do and um, it's nice sort of pretty much to get hit on, on the targets i wanted to but aside from that, anyway, I um I did I've painted the whole stronghold set for uh, Rohan, so that's a table for Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, they were they were they were fun, very very lovely lovely stuff. I built them ages ago; they've been sitting there primed. So I thought well, I need to get another table finished. Um, so I've got them painted. I've had a couple of people request um in our Facebook group about the what what colours I use. They I use scale seventy five paints. So for the palisades and walls, um, I've used petroleum, they're all prime black. I've used petroleum grey, um, brown grey, and then rainy grey, and then sort of highlighted with white as well. So those are the, the main colours there. Um, and then I've added some airbrushed in some some glazes, but um, I made a glaze from um, one of the GW um, old washes. And I can't remember the, the greens. They've got two greens, haven't they? Um, it says Richard. I'm trying to get it. Um, uh, I think. Wait, what's your green? No, that's the glaze glaze. But I think I made a glaze out mm. of the old shade. So I can't remember if it was the BL Town or the um, the Colia green shade. Um, I might have used a bit of each. It was Thracker green as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I don't own that one, so it definitely wasn't that one. So it was. I think it was BL Tan. Um, but I don't know. I just sort of thin that. That was slightly. the mid time. Yes, that was but, uh, similar to uh, the old Warpstone glow. Yeah, but it was a shade I've used, though. So it's the yeah, the shade version of it, yeah. yes. The, but that sort of level on the colour palette, because Collier Green Shade was a lot lighter. 
Um, well, the, in the washes, it's much darker, much, much Is darker. It? Yeah, I've oh, got wow. them away from my hand now. So I think I use the BL tan, but it doesn't really matter. Just use a a green um, ink or or, um, or glaze, make it thin it down, and just airbrush it in in, in patches on the wood because it just makes it look a little bit weathered, um, like damp's got to it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that was pretty much it, and then a, and a white dry brush over it all afterwards. Um, it sounds really, really simple, but it's quite. You know, I suppose it was, but really nice, really nice effects. And then on the buildings, I um, I lightened it up a little bit. I used a slightly different palette. So I started with the brown grey. So still scale seventy five. Started with the brown grey, um, and then I've used tar brown, I believe, and then moev white, um, and then white as well. And I made sure that it was lighter at the bottom of the building, so where the overhangs on the thatch. Um, are there so it's a little bit darker and I do this for a lot of my tanks is that I do a false highlighting do lighter at the bottom but it creates it's not realistic but on a miniature it looks realistic if that makes sense if that makes sense really confusing. yeah it creates you uh, basically uh, composition doesn't you it do stuff that breaks rules for real life but the composition of it as, as a miniature works really well on the table makes it stand out and, and you, you, your eyes trick you into believing that it, well, it should look like that um, but it works more with the buildings anyway because you've got a slight overhang so I just kind of basically built up those colours in layers, made it deliberately patchy in paces, um, lighter at the bottom. This is all with the airbrush. Um, and then on the thatch, I um, I just was patchy again, but I put a bit of um, I have white and pure white on on the thatch. I'm almost like dry brushing with the um, with the airbrush and then going some slightly heavier patches um, over the black prime. And then afterwards, I'm just using um, the contrast paints. Um, use a lot of snake bites so the sort of 50 50 water i use a lot of water to thin the um contrast you don't have to use the medium always um especially if you're glazing with them um so the snake bite leather over the top of that process i did where so you've got the black and then you've got the all dusting and um, almost sort of overbrushing, i suppose rather than dry brushing of uh, of the, the two different shades of white over the top of it you just put the snake bite over the top of it and it creates pretty much the whole effect that you see um, and then on the whites, I've actually used their white. There's a apothecary white contrast paint. I've used that on the bottom halves of the panels where it's whiter, because you need to quite a white paint for it to work, because it basically adds the grey shading. And then for the top half where it's a bit darker, I've used their their whatever their grey. I think it's basilicum grey or something like that. I thin that down a lot as well, and I've used that on the top half, and it just picks out some of the grain. And then over the whole model, so wood panels and on the thatch, um, a dry brush, uh, quite a light dry brush, but a dry brush over it all using makeup brushes, really, really soft makeup brushes. Um, and it creates the effect you've seen in the pictures. So when I talk about it, it sounds, you know, really, really simple. I suppose the effect it gives is probably better than it sounds when you're just talking about it like that. But there's no there's no sitting in there painting these you know individual sort of wood grains and even the doors <laughs> even in the doors I, I i dry brushed them first so the wood grain showing um and then i've just watered down um and, and glazed in contrast paint so you know it's painted on thick you, you need to make sure you glaze it down but i've used a red and a, and a, the one of the turquoisey green colors um and again it just brills and brings out the the different colors so it shows through so you because you're painting them the because you're painting the contrast on quite thinly and glazing them on you're leaving the color behind it and the natural shades and all those variations i said that i'd leave in there you're leaving it on there and it just sort of ties it all in and it just makes it look sort of like slightly pastel effect but um sort of aged wood and uh, yeah i think they look pretty cool quite happy with them um should be a cracking table 
Um, in fact, the mats all arrived today, so I went and collected those from from Chip at Imcom. Um, so I've picked up my, my four remaining mats, and there's a really really nice kind of step grass, um, which looks like sort of bleached and worn grass. It looks going to be perfect for Rohan, so it should really look really good on there. When I've finished all the tables, I'm going to be getting them out and setting them all up and taking pictures of them. So I'll make sure I share when I do. Um, but that's that's that really. Um, I wanted to just shout out um stuff i've been watching when i was doing it actually so because zorp zorp um i've done some battle reports with the green dragon and they're really really good i don't know if you've got around to watching them yet but uh, i've watched the first 20 minutes of one of them um the ogres uh versus the chariots obviously on hills yes so i naturally i started watching it obviously finally uh put a uh, a face to a voice with a few of them which yes. is always fun yeah i've seen kylie before because she's been on some of the streams and some of the the coverage of articon but i, I hadn't hadn't seen um jeremy before uh, in fact no, i saw him on the arda unleashed walk around that um Loki did for uh on Zorp, Zorp as well so I saw him first there but you don't know what to expect do you if you don't see someone um but yeah well, there is <laughs> really good videos and the second video is um is the um out of the frying pan funnily enough so it's uh the eagles rescuing the the, the the dwarves so that's a good scenario to watch as well it was good fun so a pure narrative one there and then I've been catching up with the battle games and middle earth streams so Zorp, Zorp have done well, he is doing these streams where he picks up an issue of battle games and middle earth paints the models and blah 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 and goes on the new like three and a half hour streams and then um so steve from top table gaming and and, and gbhl podcast and damien are doing their own kind of i don't know i suppose a sister version of it where they're covering a couple of issues at a time and i've been watching those i keep missing them live and i don't want to catch in catch them when they're on their live so i can interact with them and, and get in the chat on there but I've been watching them kind of the next day just because they tend to be sunday evenings when i usually spend it with the wife or something but just really enjoyable it's sort of about three hours but watching them just talk about painting and the game in general while doing it i suppose we do a podcast i like podcasts i like listening to people talk about the games so there's no surprise that i like like listening and watching youtube while i'm hobby but if you haven't haven't watched those yet and you're listening to this we're definitely worth checking those things out um so that that's us covered in terms of what we've been doing um we we tend to talk about a little bit about news if there has been any um i think the big news has obviously been the faq um i mean overall the faq i think it's been pretty pretty well received there is a a, a, there is a friction point i suppose (laughs) in some people the community but most of the changes seem pretty pretty well received and pretty positive what do you what do you think that what are your thoughts on it uh, well, obviously, we've seen um, FAQs and changes coming across multiple game systems. Um, you and I have both played uh, enough games in the past, including not even just GW, but other games from other uh, companies that will have been FAQ'd quite. I'd say this is quite a large change. It's just, it, I, go, I wouldn't go as far as say sweeping, but it is, it's large and it has an impact. Yeah. And despite the fact that obviously there are people with misgivings and there are some strong feelings might be the fairest way of putting it it's all been very mature in general i mean yeah there's been a fair amount of meme posting but you where you find gamers you find memes <laughs> so that's fair enough and to be fair some of them were funny yeah, yeah. I, I, you know poor old how got one hell of a singling out on that one for probably for good reason because of all of the characters who probably should be able to ally he's he's one of them yeah <laughs> and yeah. but 
think I think maybe before we get into that, then we, what we should probably be, be quite clear about is that we're not going to. We've decided not to do a kind of rundown of the FAQ. Um, Green Dragon with done. with Harry from Emmo. I've done done it rule by rule. Everything covered. Fast had fantastic detail. There's no point in us if you're listening to us. You probably listened to Green Dragon. I'd be very surprised if you didn't. So go and listen to their their latest show as it stands. Um, and they say nice things about us, so please do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, de- definitely, definitely go and listen to it. There, we've decided that it's been covered quite well. People have read it. We decided not to do a show on it. We'd have been very easy to this episode to be episode seven, the FAQ. But we decided not to cover it and we're not going to go through most of the points now there have been some you know good things so shades have been fixed etc etc <coughs> excuse me there's uh most of the things seem pretty common sense clarification on um like siege weapons being able to be destroyed so you can plonk them on a, an objective that means that, that you could, people can't get to that objective um there's lots of really really common sense things so just want to sort of get that in there before we get, start talking about the thing that's got a little bit more contention around it. If I outline what what what's changed, and then you can, I'll, I'll hand it back to you, Dan, and you can sort of give your thoughts on, yeah, on, yeah, your, on that rule. Because I think that's where we were going to get to very quickly. But I just wanted to cover that bit first. It's <laughs> what everyone's waiting for, really, isn't it? Everyone yeah. wants to know what everyone else's opinion is on it. <laughs> exactly, and obviously there was a joke in the uh, the, the opening t- t- sequence um, a, 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 about this as well, because we want to make light of it. Um, but the, basically, if you're if you're if you're allying now the 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 hero that leads that ally contingent must be a minimum of a hero of valor so you can't ally in a a war band led by um a hero of fortitude or lower that that's that's it in a nutshell um and i think the general the general thoughts are is that that's being done to stop unfluffy um characters such as maybe curdan or alfred being cheaply um, allied into armies to provide their bonuses and buffs where thematically that wouldn't make it make any sense to do which it certainly does that and that's absolutely right thing to do those it's those things were we're talking about tournament gaming here as well those kind of things were seen in a lot of what i say a lot of some top tournament lists i don't know what kind of extent i'm not at these 100 point gbs events but um that seems to be the widely uh, understood reason why it was done um and at first reading you're like yeah that, that's a really good idea um and then people start to give some examples of how that's kind of had a bit of a knock-on effect and, and maybe hurt some things in, in in the game that 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 maybe didn't need to be but that's obviously debatable so dan so what your what your thoughts on that change and and how it's impacted the game or might impact the game well some people who might know me perhaps i'd say better but longer would probably laugh when i say this but i am not but at heart a competitive gamer at one time i definitely was um it i i liked that part of the hobby i like building you know tough lists that made the most of the rules and you know you you know you, you fill out your uh use of the rules and available options right to the very corners and making you know you squeeze every last bit of effectiveness out of an army that's that's not so much me anymore um i've mellowed perhaps some might say uh, i'm very much a beer and pretzels gamer now uh, i do enjoy going to events but the events i generally go to 
aren't what anyone would consider a tournament. They're more like a narrative gaming weekend with a couple of bits of structure thrown in would be the best way of putting it. So my initial thoughts on this from a non-competitive gaming standpoint were, oh, well. And I think that's, you know, I I thought, well, it it is what it is. Uh, Obviously, people that know the competitive scene better have thought to do this. But I I have softened on this slightly uh, as time's gone on because I have seen, for instance, your Azog's Legion, which the choices you made were entirely from a thematic and a fluff perspective, were invalidated. And incidentally, um, Ben and Will, who are coming to Flotsam and Jetsam, Mm -hmm. technically, their army in this way that it would work um, would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've made a certain special dispensation to some of this, which you, well, by all means, cover if you want to. Um, but their army would technically be illegal. And given how much effort I know that these two guys have put into their armies, and you know they've both started pretty much from scratch. They've spent money. Uh, they've spent a lot of time and, and you know enthusiasm, which I think is a, a rare coin. You know, it's, it's very easily knocked. And they've, they've painted their armies, and they look really lovely. Um, but then to be told, sorry, chaps can't do that anymore you have to buy more models or take something else yeah it's it's tempered my feelings on the issue and i can i'm I'm seeing more of the other side of this i'm not going to say it was wrong to do it because the the only thing worse than uh, making a decision is to make no decision at all and i think a decision did need to be made on certain uh abusive combinations and I, and I do use that word because when you're taking something that is wholly out of bounds of what middle earth is really about just to gain a competitive edge and particularly when it can put your opponents at a disadvantage to the point where they're almost not engaging in the game because it robs them of an entire aspect of the gaming cycle something does need to be done about that because that's no fun mm-hmm. a, a game is always about two people and that does need to be dealt with if you're turning up and you go oh you've got that combination well Ah, right, brilliant. Uh, Well, you can take your 12 points and I'm just going to suffer through this for the next hour until we both go our separate ways. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why bother? What's the point? Um, So it did need to be dealt with. Um, I'm not going to say I know better than Jay because I've not been playing remotely long enough to cast an opinion out there like that. Secondly, it's his job. Mm -hmm. I don't tell him how to write rules. He doesn't tell me how to uh, do contracts and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's that's life, isn't it? Um, But I, I have been tempered slightly on this so initially i was like well whatever it didn't because it didn't affect me because i've only ever taken either armies that are all of one faction because there's still a slightly other game set mindset in there allies are in other games Mm -hmm. um apart from 40k which apparently has similar things going on but i've been so long out of that it's not really relevant or i'm playing with for instance my iron hills i quite like the idea of taking some of Thranduil's Halls, but that would be Legolas, who luckily is Valor, so yeah. not a problem. So it's very hard for me to sit on my uh, in my ivory tower saying it doesn't affect me, so get on with it. it I, I've seen people it has affected, people who, um, you know, they're faces to me, they're not just people out on the internet. So yeah, I've, I've mellowed out on it, on it slightly, um, and I, I do hope, you know, something some accommodation could be made in the future i don't think we're at a point where we can just ignore it i don't think that's an answer just saying oh well we'll just ignore it's an faq unfortunately it is it is official 
So I think we need to give it the. um, It's just part, isn't it? It's an an addition, it's an extra paragraph to to the core rules. I think also it doesn't do any of us any favours, or even Jay any favours, to just say, nah, just ignoring you, because that's not feedback. We owe it at least to play it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it deserves to be played for a while, um, and, and and then you give you, your constructive feedback about it. Um, and to be honest, yeah, to be fair, an, I will, an educated I will, opinion. I will, I will I will clarify that with that. I was very impressed that while people there'll be a few people that got a bit more hot under the color color than others, it's all been pretty well handled, and, it, and they might be seen as moaning, but most people were pretty well behaved with it. There was very little kind of sniping or having to go at other people. It was there was a lot of people unhappy. But compared to other groups of hobbyists that events and groups I might be in on the internet, it was a lot friendlier than we've seen. We were talking about this before we recorded about. We won't mention which group, but how other groups may have reacted to it and um, and things they may have said. Um, so I think yes, lesser things have broken out the swear jar in a lot quicker in other game systems, whereas this has been handled with a degree of maturity. I found refreshing. Yeah, and people might not think that who were within this community, so that might just be our perceptions, having been in others. But um, I did think it was fairly well handled. But sorry, I was interrupting you anyway. I think it run its course. I'd rambled enough at that point. I think. Uh, what's your opinion? Obviously, this has directly affected you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so, trying to temper my opinion on it, not because it's it's very easy to be someone that's affected by it. So the opposite of what you said, to be someone that's had an army affected by it, so then get sort of angry about it. At first, I, I didn't even click. I just thought, thought, oh, that's a good reason they've done this. I think I read the commentaries on it before I sat and read their FAQs um, myself. I thought it sounds like a sensible thing to do. Um, and then you started seeing some of the examples. I thought, well, I'll look into it a bit more. And um, so first of all, I echo with you. I, I quite, quite agree. I'm not qualified to be making sort of detailed rule decisions. There's a there's a bigger game there um, and a balance there that, that, that the, the writers are trying to achieve. So I think it would be very arrogant for me to sit here and say this is wrong or whatever. I, I definitely, if the assumption is correct, that it was there to deal with the things that, that we talked about. So the, the unfluffy um, alliances, especially for certain characters that give buffs, then I I think I like the I like the intent definitely. Um, and that that can't be U turned. I think you need to do something with it. Those things need to stay fixed. Um, whether there's a way to undo some of the other knock on things, I don't know. I'd be interested to know whether the rules team realised that there would be this much of a knock-on effect, and I'm sure they did. Um, and then, if they did, whether they thought that it's a shame, but it's necessary and it's the only way they saw to fix it, because maybe they'd gone through all the other different ways of fixing it, um, or whether they thought um, they actually think that the other these other alliances shouldn't be there as well. I really like this addition in terms of it's focus on really trying to make the game more and more kind of in in tune with the law, whether that be book or film, which are different, very different at times. Um, I do like that. I like that approach. We saw that with the alliances. We saw that change further with the previous FAQ um, with some alliance changes about the, the your your army bonus and how that works with different things. So um, I like it. I mean, I've 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 banned red alliances at my event. Um, I may do for my singles. Again, I like that kind of 
that kind of gaming that more fluffy kind of gaming so i'm, I'm right I'm right right up with that my concern a little bit with again when i looked into it a little bit more was whether there were things that are now restricted that are actually fluffy um <laughs> and i'm not just talking about the um the, Helm the, steep, the, deeping wall <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm not just talking about Haldir. i mean you can you can there, there's a legend lesion for that you can play that there are other examples where he's his alliance but even something as simple as captains um being able to ally with other captains from different factions um i'd like to think that beyond what we see in the films or books i'd not like to think we know we know the way the books are written there is a much deeper narrative that's assumed so when you see azog um commanding some hunter's legion Sorry, some yeah, you know, some hunter orcs. You know that that's not the first time he's done it. When you see him, um, bowl commanding Gundabad or or on a wild commander, you you know that these these alliances go on before you see them on the screen or before you read about them in the appendices. You get the impression that wars have been going on for a long time and that these orcs sort of allied many different times, and it makes no sense to me that that an unnamed captain who's part of a vast army. We're talking you know, like tens of thousands sometimes of orcs wouldn't be allowed to be going an ally with another unnamed one. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I understand the restriction maybe for certain characters, but it, it, that bit kind of confuses me a little bit, especially as most of the time those things aren't game-breaking either. Um, so for me, that seems like collateral damage, and I would hope that, that there might be a way of, of alleviating that. And then I think there are others... I'll use the example. I don't want to. Didn't want to use an example of my own army that was kind of hampered a little bit because it seems like me moaning about my own. But um, so my my Azog's hunters and Azog's legion alliance because I wanted just a smattering of both sets of models really in a small army. <laughs> That's the reason I've done it. Um, but I, I didn't want to use Azog because he's a beast and a lot of people don't like facing him. So I I kind of genuinely I know Bulb's brilliant as well, but I thought well, I'll pick Bulb because he's less of a something less of a horrible thing to face maybe um so i think well he'll he can command the gundabad side so the azog's legion side and then the hunters i think well i'll just pick one of the one of the others and i picked up yasneg i can't run that army now because yasneg's only only a hero of fortitude and again that doesn't really make sense so bold can can be in the same army as yasneg and work with him as a commander and both lead troops from the hunter's and legion list but if you view as also the hunters um list if you go to the legion list and bog suddenly commanding some gundabads and a troll he's no longer able to give orders or work with um yasneg anymore <laughs> and yeah it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me so that's where i feel that that if, if the reason i said if because we've not had an official statement haven't we if the reason for making this change um was to stop unfluffy things happening well, that in that sense, in this example I've just given, and maybe that were the captains as well, and there's a whole list, if you've gone on GBHJ, I'll be able to see all kinds of threads with it. I feel like it's missed the mark slightly there. But other than that, I wouldn't want to get down. It's become a big thing, and I wanted to talk... I didn't want to not talk about it. Um, I don't want to be accused of being super pro everything GW do. Well, I love the system, I love the game, and I have not stopped loving the system again because of this change, and I won't do. I would prefer that there was a way to redress some of the things that people 
could no longer do that wasn't unfluffy. If there was a way they can do that, I'd like to see that. I suppose that sums it up, really. Um, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I will finish off those armies. I'll go and buy Azog now. Um, so I'll have to run Azog and Bolg. Um, Which one? Which one are you going to buy? Well, I've got Bolg already, so I'll have to go and buy Azog. Oh, you mean, no, I mean um, just standard, yeah. the standard one because the the I love, so I love the Forge World one. I'll, I'll need a mounted version anyway. So, uh, um, true. so I'll have to go and buy the standard one. So at some point I will go and buy him and I'll have to fiddle around with my list a little bit. I won't be able to run them quite the same as I was before and I'll probably pick up some more Hunter Orcs now so that I can run a pure Hunter Orc um, army with Bolg in there as well. Um, because they're great because they've got two attacks. But again, it was it was more of a fun sort of side army so it's not really affected mainly it's not something i was taking to a tournament i know there are people that were taking stuff to the gt which now got to change it um as I said, i'm not raging about it and not angry but like you i do understand some people being a little bit disappointed that that, that certain matchups some certain lists have been invalidated which seems like it's because of some very cheesy unlaw based stuff at the maybe top tables of some big tournaments now it's kind of affecting the wider game so to speak um, so I hope that they can keep the fix or find another way to do the fix, but keep the fix and and, and do something for allowing some of these um, heroes of fortitude and to be up to. I mean, we, we were talking about it, weren't we? We were we were talking about it when it first came out, with what we'd do is a way of doing it. And we're not rules writers. And no, go <laughs> caveat that. And there's probably, there's probably a hundred million reasons that, that why this wouldn't work. But we were wondering whether you could have, I think I said there was a, maybe you'd have a special rule which you could yes. add to um, a certain number of Heroes of Fortitude, maybe not all of them, but a certain number, um, that would basically, if they have that special rule, it allows them to count as a hero of valour when leading an allied contingent. So they don't always, but if they are leading the allied contingent, so there's no superior to them within that allied contingent, they basically count as that. And I and I would, you know, I just said that it would work for captains as well, but maybe for captains you'd have to pay for that. So maybe for your named ones, see, we'll use Yasneg and Fimble as examples, or maybe pick one of those. So Yasneg could be um, a hero of a special rule that can upgrade into a hero of valor when doing ally condition. Captains can do it, whatever the special rule is, and but you pay ten points to do it. And then you said well, you came up with the name, didn't you? What did you say it was? You still call it uh, Oath Fulfilled. Oath Fulfilled. There you go. Um, and there, you, and, there you, and there you go. And that's it. Um, and it, I mean, you could limit them so they don't lead um, twelve. So they don't lead fifteen. They lead twelve. I don't know if it matters. Lead right around. Yeah. Uh, so you retain their normal uh, hero level, so they're not getting any additional bonuses beyond the ability to, in the case of allied, yeah, contingents lead. There's probably a million reasons why that wouldn't work, and then the argument will be, well, you know, should then a character with a with the background in law like Kurdan anyway. <laughs> be allowed yeah. to do this so maybe you actually need a rule that just prevents some people out leading well, allies within certain this it's really really hard or you just don't them. give it to him and that's, <laughs> and exactly also, but again you'd you'd argue that with his with his background and he should be he should probably already be a hero of valor anyway that which creates issues for well so, if you play him at uh maybe the, the yeah the alliance the last alliance he hmm. could then be but yeah, otherwise not. Yeah, because he's too busy building building ships now. We don't have got a lot of time yeah. for anymore. It's quite calloused hands, you know. He doesn't like to do too much. Uh, who knows? But it's it's just what the example. The reason for giving that as an example, by all means, send us 
reply and say that's terrible that won't work because or that's a good idea or this idea is better um the reason given that as an example is i want to show that we're, we're looking for kind of positive solutions to to issues rather than um rather than i don't think the idea is just moaning about it and, and saying it's terrible we've got to give it a go got to try and, and deal with it as a community and see and see how it is in six months is it still a problem anymore people still people still miss doing certain things i do i do think at low points games it's going to hurt more than the bigger points games so people just play playing at your club and you want to play 500 points and you just want to you want to make up i mean you want to make up a, a, a i don't know a scenario where it's post black gate so the ring's been destroyed and it's uh ooh, bang my microphone and it's a contingent of rohan and um, um gondor led by captains clearing out small wall bands of orcs seems perfectly feasible to me it was not in the books but we, we we assume that stuff will have happened of course it happened and i i i think it'd be a shame with that wider kind of world that we know's there that's untold um can't be explored now if you want to make a re- your own really themey army to take to an event maybe or maybe just to play at the club if you want to stick to the rules 100% you'd ha- you can do that kind of thing and I think that's where I think it'd be it's a shame to see it but again probably talked about it too long but I don't I don't know I, th- I think um, it requires a comment understood I think for us I, I don't know about I can't really speak for you but for me it's I can't imagine Jay would have set out to do anything to harm the game. He's done it out of what he judges in his mind is that the best thing to do for the future, or at least the short-term future of the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt on that basis. Um, um, I'd rather work within the system than not. And I appreciate that there might be a few people throwing stuff at the, the speakers at this point in time going, no, you shill, whatever. <laughs> uh, we're all entitled to our opinions, and I, I, I do believe that it, it have been done at least with good intent. Mm-hmm. And let's see where it goes. Yeah, it, it won't ruin the game. Um, it does I mean you've listened to the Green Dragon? They talk about it removing maybe a certain sphere, removing the percentages of kind of list building options, and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. So as much as I've given some really positive examples of things that you could list, you could you could come up with that no one's going to worry about facing. Um, by doing it, you're all you're also getting rid of some really really horrible cheesy combos as well, and I'd like, and I'd rather have that than approach to the, there's two approaches you can have to the game is that top level competitive gaming is going to be one that's loads of red alliances. It doesn't matter because it's about the game, and then the models may as well be counters, and you know it it doesn't matter then. And it, and some people like to play games like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's not that and i quite like the direction that the game's going in where the law and the aesthetic is really really important alongside still having a balanced competitive game so in that sense this will achieve that as i said it's about that kind of is there the question is is there some collateral damage and can we do anything about some of that collateral damage um i mean i had to i wanted to run the faq absolutely 100 percent pure for the, the doubles coming up um but it does create a bit of an issue there because if you, I, I, what I've had to rule in the end is that if you're running an alliance and you've got different factions, you absolutely 100% stick to the, to the FAQ. But it's not really clear. It's a bit grey that if you're playing doubles and you're running same faction, um, or 
well, I suppose legendary legions count as one almost. It's a bit confusing, but if you're running the same faction, so two people are, are running Gondor, for example, um, you'd use still both both parts of that army, so both individual army lists. Um, both need valor. It doesn't really make sense thematically because as they're saying that you couldn't command some of your own army. So I just made a, a rule in that the secondary army, so the primary, as in the ne the, the new uh, match play guide, um, has to have minimum hero valor. And it's very easy to say, and a fluff reasons for that is because it's such a large army um, that you need someone of um, enough experience to command it. Um, but the secondary would be very odd, so I just said they can run fortitude, and it seems to make sense. But I asked the people, asked the attendees in our group, in the in the group we've got for it, and most people were really, really well. I think people are very happy with that as a ruling. Uh, but when I was asking for their opinions, I think it, it was that it was a little bit of a grey area based on the the one page of rules you got for doubles games, and how that might now interact with these new allies rules, um, because that page of rules just seems to sort of assume that that wouldn't be an issue, but. Yeah, if you're if you're same faction allying with same faction, maybe they assume that people won't ally same faction the same faction. I know some rules packs might prevent that, so we will see in the future. Not a major thing, so I've had to make that one little ruling. But I, I again, I wanted to run it 100% pure because I think we've got to we've got to try it first, and then six months down the line, keep giving positive feedback, um, and we'll see whether they change anything on the next FEQ. Probably not. I think it will stay the same. It's whether they can promote a few more heroes to valor to make a few more i mean there were no changes to the hobbit book at all whether the hobbit army's book um absolutely zero um i don't think there necessarily needs to be too many i think the young young um dwarling i expected that always oh, um yeah i, I sent yeah, i sent an email in about that because he's got weapon master but he's got two he's not got the, the, the um double-handed weapon as he on in his equipment on that he's not on that model it's two single axes which don't do anything so his weapon master rule doesn't work for him so i don't know whether there was something missing there or that rule, special rule needs to come out there must be a reason for it but there's probably a couple of other examples of things like that smaller things that need to be brought up again but i don't think they need too many changes to to that book so i can in one sense i can see why they weren't but another one is maybe a few promotions Yasneg or, or someone like that maybe make them valor or something <laughs> but I'd, I'd rather if they did that that's that would help obviously help me personally but i quite like you know a fix that kind of allows like we said that the captains and stuff to be involved in as well but that might again this is about a bigger picture for the direction of the game and maybe the direction of the game and the design of the game the way they want it to work they just they don't want that they don't want two captains allying together you save that for your your open play games and your your narrative games but not for match play but let's draw a line under that i think um because i don't, I don't want it to come across as negative there i think um the rest of it was really really good um it's not changed my opinions on the game etc etc and we've talked about something for a lot longer than i think we planned to but hopefully we've done it in a balanced way <sighs> right shall we go to a break then dan and then when we come back we will have the wonderful Andrew Cox with us for a long chat. I think it was about an hour um, for a chat about Tawny, first of all, which is his um, tournament-based website that manages your event for you, so your matchups and players can put their results on there and stuff. It's really, really good. I'm using it for Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, he talks about his YouTube channel, Beer Clipper, as well, um, and sort of in general about um, SPG and hobby and stuff. It's a really good chat, so hopefully you enjoy it. Um, we'll catch you after the break. The hour grows late, and Blandalf Grey Plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, Blandalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. 
It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. Welcome back. So, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we have a special guest today. So, without further ado, let's welcome Andrew Cox to the podcast. Andrew, thanks very much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a, a, a flattery and a pleasure to have the invite. Well, we've been we've been chatting over Messenger for a little while because uh, you're uh, providing the support through Tawny for Flotsam and Jetsam. I wanted to try something a little bit different and use uh, some new newer technologies. So, um, so yeah, we've been chatting for a little while, so it made sense to get you on. Um, and um, let's people that don't know what Tawny is, let's get a bit of a message out there about it. So before we get into Tawny and your your YouTube channel, Beer Clipper, um, give us a little bit of introduction um, about yourself, about your hobby and who you are and what you do. Well, I mean, the first thing to say is I'm uh, expat. I've moved over to Bulgaria about nearly exactly six years ago now, um, and I've spent the last six years renovating an old school to live in which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's a beautiful location, really quiet and peaceful. And uh, But the, the other good thing is it's huge. The building's massive. So that gave me the idea when I arrived that I wanted to do a model railway, uh, as uh, I had one with my father when I was very young, and, um, and I still had quite a lot of that stuff in boxes when I moved. And so I started to collect together a kit to put a model railway together, um, and then I went on a uh, on a business trip, and I was a bit bored. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to look at some video channels on YouTube about uh, about model railways and about uh, terrain making because that's why I want to do the the uh, the, the model railway is to make terrain. And I fell into the GBHL channel by accident, which ended up being a massively expensive mistake <laughs> <laughs> because uh, while I was sat in my little Airbnb in Belgium, uh, I ended up ordering. Uh, hundreds of pounds worth of um, SBG miniatures. This would have been four years ago now, uh, just before the Renaissance, actually. So yeah, I've, I got into that, um, and and so and then it, I've still not done my model railway. <laughs> it's still in boxes. <laughs> um, however, I have thousands of SBG miniatures, and obviously, as you've mentioned, the YouTube channel. I've had a, a great amount of pleasure in making terrain, and I still have the dream for the model railway. I still have the space for it reserved. It's just. Uh, just been put on the back burner so yeah it's it was kind of serendipitous which i do like that word it was serendipitous that i fell into the hobby as we know it the the wargaming i'd never done it before never really considered it before but love of tolkien which has been through my life sbg jamie and james the old the old crew got me into it a lot of they're having so much fun and and here we are fantastic i didn't i I don't know why but i just assume that um You'd been gaming longer because you mentioned other systems and things on your on your show. Um, I knew I got reading between the lines. I guess that you, where you lived and your old school and all these other bits and bobs. But yeah, I didn't realise the SPG was the was the thing that sort of started it started you in miniature wargaming. Really, um, I um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I might men- I mentioned Chain of Command as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of interest in history and the World War Two particularly has a fascination for me. So um, I got into that the bolt action. 
I watched the videos and it didn't really look as much fun as I wanted it to be, but I watched videos of Chain of Command and it looks great. So I'm, I've, I've not yet rolled any dice on that. I just owns, own the rules and I'm building terrain for it and painting miniatures and I'm really hoping to get games this year. Time is the issue. But yeah, SBG, SBG was a first love and, I, and it still is my, it's, it's a great system. I love playing it. Yeah, well, I, I I watched a lot of um, GBHL as well. Mainly watching weird. Like two years before I started playing, bought a couple of bought an edition and a cheap Goblin Town set on um, eBay and, and watching the Palantir. And just it was mm. weird, just sort of keeping. I was watching loads of other stuff with all the other systems I was interested in, but just sort of watched the Palantir uh, religiously and kept in touch with the games. So had a bit of an overview before I started. But what's what's so what's wargaming like in Bulgaria? Then have you got people out there that you can play with, or is it very much a matter of you do so much um hobby um because you've got that sort of time to fill to until when you actually get a chance to game yeah the only the only opponent i really get is angela mm-hmm. missus uh, fortunately she's very uh, accommodating and she does enjoy it as well she's uh, been to articon a couple of times with me now and uh, and 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 does enjoy rolling dice um I became a father a year ago uh, two days my daughter is one year old so our time to do things together is much more limited, which is why I'm doing much more, uh, much more terrain um, than, than than playing. We haven't rolled dice for a while. Um, I have actually fallen into a little bit of a gaming community, um, not really local to me, unfortunately. Um, I've got a friend who lives about an hour and a half away, and he comes and plays the uh, three hundred one to three hundred scale uh-huh. uh, modern war game. Well, there's a video of that on the uh, on the channel, which is he did all the terrain for that. That's yes, that's yes, stunning. I've seen that one. Yeah, I get to see him maybe once every two months, and then there's a uh, there's actually a board gaming convention more than a war gaming um, up in Sofia towards the end of March, which I'm going to head up to, mm-hmm. and hopefully make some more Bulgarian war gaming friends up there. Yeah, but yeah, it's very very sparse. There's me and Angela, and that's it. <laughs> Pretty much, I can imagine that would be one of the things that I mean. I can see the your video the other day when you were out on the balcony. It looks, looks beautiful, but I can imagine. I like. I love the idea of being away and isolated like that. But then also, um, I'd like to be close enough to somewhere that I could say go and see friends or get a game or something when I when I could. Saying that though, I've got kids as well. One of my my youngest is is ten months old at the moment, so not not far behind Rosie and um, yeah, I, I totally appreciate the, the challenges that they put on in terms of time to do things with each other. It's usually the three of you or four of you or you're on your own <laughs> while the other one's looking yeah. after the kids. Oh, dearie me. Absolutely. I just have to train um, Rosie to play games then it'll be fine. Well, <laughs> in a few years I'll be I'll be laughing <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful jacob's jacob's already showing his nerddom so this year he's, he's already watched all six um um lord of the rings stroke hobbit films extended editions as well he's probably he's only five so he's probably a bit too young really but he doesn't seem to be bothered by any of the scenes um, never too young first book i read to rosie was the hobbit and before christmas she uh she did join us for um at least the first half an hour of every one of the films so yeah. oh brilliant <laughs> I, I tried reading the hobbit to jacob i had the um there's a there's a uh, graphic novel version but a lot of the the wording is from the book and i think at his age at the moment he just found some of the language quite challenging he's like well, what are you enough, speaking yeah. in that funny way kind of thing rather than misunderstanding it but um the films he got straight away so hopefully i can go cool. back to that as he gets a bit older but anyway we're not here to talk about that so um <laughs> Why don't, why don't we start off talking about Tawny a little bit? Why don't you give us kind of a brief overview of what Tawny is, um, and then we can kind of dig into it in a little bit more detail. Absolutely. 
So Tournay is a website at the moment and hopefully soon for people to run tournaments, uh, both as small as you want up to as large as you want. So the concept is that if you get together with some mates on the weekend, you can put together a little round robin tournament without having to put any effort in and then see who wins just for a bit of fun. And it also is there to make it easy for attendees. So that's that's the bottom line. It's trying to make things easy. It's a surprisingly complicated tournament. Um, and so making it easy is like complicated to the power of complicated because you have to really analyze what's going on and then present it in a way that anyone can understand. And that's where I'm at at the moment is really working with various people within the community to make use of the software like yourself and knocking edges off it and making it better every time. Every iteration is an improvement. So what you what you can what you can do as an uh, as a tournament organizer is you can go in and you can specify the most complicated tournament you can think of, and I can say that because it's written for the most complicated tournament you can think of, which is Articon. <laughs> Um, it started because I originally wrote a website which nearly sold tickets for James, and that was very good, and it helped out a lot. But then the year uh, that the, the website was in place just for the tickets, the actual the collection of scores was a right nightmare. It, it's, it's, there's 200 people trying to hand their scores in during a, t- a handover period that's going to take 15 minutes or 30 <laughs> minutes. And then myself and... Um, uh, and another guy behind the curtain attempting to put all these into a spreadsheet and then get the matchups generated in time so as not to be delayed. Now, through magic, we did it, but it was <laughs> stressful. And so I went away and I sat on the plane, literally sat on the plane going home for the Articon and wrote down what Tournay would turn out to be because it was so obvious that there was something missing there. If you can get everyone to really easily have two fields on an, on an app on their phone when they're finished a, comp, uh, a, a game to say, this was my score, and it automatically goes into a database, you're immediately making it quicker. So that was the nuts of it, was mm-hmm. score collection, on top of everything that the old website did. But yes, it's, it's a huge thing. <laughs> it's a passion project, as, as, as they say. Which is great. I mean, I was, I was looking for... I mean, I've run events with my co-host of my uh, other podcast. Well, he was the main, main runner of them, so I was always his assistant. And I, I can vouch what it's like trying to put um, scores and things in. Um, and that was we, the maximum people we had in our little... Um, and, this was, and this was for a non-Swiss event. This was for Heresy, where it was narrative-based. Um, so all you really wanted to do is, is record it to see which, which side was winning. Um, and then uh, we'd already worked out all the matchups before before the event. So... So I was, I was aware that that might be might be a bit of a stretch for me, and I also wanted something to to help work out the matchups for me. I knew that I could ask around, and I knew there's plenty of spreadsheets knocking about that people use. But um, I think I just was aware of this around the time of it, and I thought, well, let's let's look into it. And it's r- ridiculously reasonable priced um, for the for the amount of people that you have doing it. It's it's not a big cost at all compared to the other expenses to go towards running the event. Um, and I just thought, well, it seems well, why not do it? It seems to be everything there in in, in the one place. Um, um, and my, my tickets are sold through the local store. Um, so that's the only part of your functionality I'm not really using. I suppose the rest of it is most of the rest of it's covered. But um, okay, so let's um, let's talk about um, 
what you can expect as players then so um what's what's the interface like because i haven't even had a chance to do this myself so i was thinking the other day that i'm going to be asking players to to you know use these things they might be asking me questions so i was saying to dan and to sam the other day that we probably ought to sit there one afternoon when we're all just chatting away on messenger um and create a mini four-way tournament and get used to what it's like to actually input the scores we may all do that but so you may maybe describe what it's what what's what's the interface like for the the competitors what kind of things can they do from there and sort of pre-tournament and and then during the tournament yeah okay so once you've uh, so when you as a tournament organizer create a, a tournament you've just touched on the fact that the the tournay does allow you to sell tickets and that's integrated with uh, paypal so you need to have a paypal account and you can sell tickets and then what um and then the attendees automatically get them assigned to their account or how you've done it which is where you sell tickets however you want and then you can assign those tickets by email address and that's how you how that's how you're working that i believe so when the attendee gets that ticket assigned to them uh, they will be able to log in onto the website and immediately in front of them when they log in there'll be a panel saying that there is this this tournament that they go into a little kind of like box on the on the page this is the tournament name and if there are any tasks that are outstanding then it will say there are outstanding tasks click here to go and uh, could go and complete them so those tasks could be something like joining a team uh, because it does support team uh, the, the team competitions um, and it allows you to create a team where you become the team captain or join existing teams it also allows you to create and set up doubles and it also allows you to choose to play solo if it's a team event that allows also solo players as Ardacon does it, it's been a great test bed because <laughs> it's so complicated <laughs> Also, uh, Tournay allows you to input army lists. Now, this is not specifically for tournaments. I actually wrote this so that anyone can put their army lists onto Tourney. You don't have to be going to a, a tournament or a competition to input an army list. And then you can make them public and you can share them uh, via a link on Tourney. So, you can, uh, so if you write a list that you're proud of, you can put that in, share the list, and then it gives you a URL and you can send that to all your mates and they can see your lists. So that's there already. But that also does tie in so that you can then submit those lists to a tournament, to a competition, and then that's then associated with you for when you're actually playing the game. And I'll come to how that kind of interacts when you're in the game in a minute. That actually ties into list checking so that as an organizer, you can review lists and you can approve or reject them and send messages back. It does all that sort of stuff. So it automates all of that. Um, I've not put in profiles, but I have put in army lists and legendary legions and what have you for SBG. We're obviously talking a lot about Middle Earth SBG because that's what Articon is. There are seven or eight gaming systems already in there supported. Not all of them support list building yet, but that's coming. So we shouldn't be thinking of this purely as a Middle Earth SB kind of um, system. It's, it works for any uh, any any kind of competitive event. Uh, I, I, you could use it for darts. You could use it for <laughs> a, you know a, a five-a-side football competition. It will it will it will do the ranking and the matchups and what have you for any kind of competitive event. And that's what it's designed for. Not even really scoped to, to war games and board gaming. Um, once you're at the event, then that same panel will tell you when your games are on. The setup allows a tournament organizer to map tables in a room to that extent and will assign the table number and it will tell you what table number you should be sitting at. Then when you get to your table, you can look at the, the, the actual matchup page. And if the lists are required for the tournament and lists have been entered, then you can see what your opponent is bringing. 
So you don't have to be handing around bits of paper, which could be, you know, it, it prevents that thing where someone gives a, a list into the tournament organizer, but then kind of changes it. It's mm -hmm. all in one place and it's audit tracked. So you can see what you're playing against and you can see your own list and that works with doubles as well. Not every tournament organizer wants to be manually checking lists and certainly in Articon, 200 and summit lists is a lot of work. <laughs> so what we put in for that is if you're unhappy with your list, there's a button to press. If you're unhappy with your opponent's list, sorry, there's a button to press on that page and that will then give a call out to the tournament organizer to say, can you come to my table, please? I'm not very happy. <laughs> and there's also another button which works in the same way for uh, just generic calls. So rather than having people standing up and shouting and yelling, TO, TO, ref, please come <laughs> over here, you can tap on the app and it will send a, f a message to the front, to the uh, tournament organizer with the table number and then they can come over. So, I mean, there's so much more. I can go on, like I said, uh, I can go on for, for hours about this. It's, it's, it's a fully featured tournament organizer that allows not just setting up and attending, but those little things that can occur while you're while you're actually playing a game, if you have a rules question, you can call the referee. Uh, and I, I, I will stop after this one. I added in the ability to take photographs and upload photographs and associate them with your matchup. So when you're playing your game, if you have a particularly cool situation, you can take a quick photograph on your phone, you can upload that to your matchup, and then that is also always um, tagged to that game to the opponent you were playing, to which uh, of the tournaments it was, and will be uh, able to be displayed and visible on the public website so that people can see what's going on. So that actually, um, again, going to the SPG, um, it was kind of Timothy Hickson that gave me that idea. I don't know if you've seen his posts on GBHL yes, when yes, he's at the tournament. Yeah. He does the most amazing bat reps of games he's in, and I, and I love them. I, I, I live for reading those. They're brilliant. And I thought, wouldn't it be even better if he was able to just take quick pictures through the game, and then at the end of the night, you can look at the game pictures that he took. And, yeah, so that's where that idea, idea came from. And so we had about 300 photographs taken across Articon, something like that, and um, I'm hoping that more people take advantage because I think it's, oh, I think I it's really that. cool. I love it. <laughs> I, I remember my, my weekend or my day for a few couple of weeks, and um, I'd make a note of people's names and things. But after that, things start getting hazier and hazier. And then you go and talk about it. Then you start misremembering things. So that is brilliant. Even if it's just for someone like myself on a podcast that you go to something and you come back and you want to talk about your games briefly. So I love that function. Absolutely. Dan, have you, as as a, as obviously I've been looking at this from the other side. So I know some of the functionality and things. As a attendee to, or upcoming attendee to um, Flotsam and Jetsam, have you got anything that sort of springs to mind? Any questions you have that uh, that a, a new user for Tawny might might sort of come across? Drop you in the drop you right in it there, but yeah, no, I've, um, well, I suppose I can see it from both sides of that coin because I can see a lot of the things you've been talking about from a, an event organizer's perspective would be incredibly useful. There is a degree of stress involved in uh, collation of results that and. Uh, not every, not every event that I've run or I've been to is required lists. I think it depends on the nature of the event. I mean, I principally come from heresy, and it, uh, it, I suppose it makes the great pretense of narrative. Um, <laughs> it's not always a narrative. Everyone says it is, but it's definitely not as regimented in terms of um, event list submission as I see a lot of other game systems are. Um, I've only been in the SPG community for... Well, I don't know, just over six months, maybe. And 
yeah, there does, from what I've viewed from the events, there does seem to be more of a reliance on submitting your lists. Um, there does seem to be a slightly more uh, visible uh, tournament section of the community. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's as um, tournament weighted as some might say it is. I think there's a, a large proportion of people who are silent who just enjoy the game and get on with it. But. Um, I can definitely see, definitely within SBG, where this kind of thing is absolutely a fantastic idea for speeding up um, the, the paperwork, the monotonous side of uh, TOing, where you're not really doing the bit we you really enjoy, which is, you know, being a host, uh, yeah. getting people to enjoy their, ho- their hobby. So uh, anything that can do that, I, I really love the uh, press a button and we'll pop over and speak to you idea. That's fantastic. Although with some of the people I know, that could be horribly <laughs> abused. <laughs> I might be busy running around on the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. don't need you really. See you later. Can you get me a drink? It's going to turn into a you know a drinks ordering service. That's it. For some of my friends, I guarantee you. It. Um, my, my helper on the day is someone that, that Dan and I both know as well. He hasn't yet to play. He's, he's not. He's not a, an SPG player. He's he's got an army and he's yet to have his first game. He's there more to be a runner for me on the day. But so to, he might be running over when I can't, and then coming back and saying it's a rules question, and I'll be like, okay, well that's going to be interesting let's go over and see what see what's going on but uh, it's, uh, the function looks fantastic yeah. oh, i think that's cracking um i think anything which allows a uh, greater interaction between the to and the attendees is always good um because people don't always know whether it's okay to approach you you look busy sometimes you can miss things it's, it's a natural state of things when things are so busy um you know, I mean, I've never run anything as big as Articon is. Uh, the most I've ever done is sort of mid to late twenties in terms of attendee numbers. But even then, it's easy to be sometimes too busy to be everywhere, and you need to prioritise what's truly important in any one moment. So, being able to have that flagged up to you is fantastic, um, and also the idea that you can flag it up to the TO so you know that someone is going to get to you. So, I really like that. Yeah, cool. yeah. It, it was it was a, a last minute thought uh, because I remembered seeing people jumping around and waving their arms and shouting. And I mean, with two hundred people in the room, that gets noisy anyway. <laughs> and it just and, and it was stressful, as you say, for the for the tos. I mean, for bigger events, not just in case of not having time, but just not seeing. But if you've got a queue where you've got people to see, and then you can when you've seen them, you just say, "I've I've, I've dealt with that one. Tick the box, done." And then it disappears it takes uh, that stress that pressure that's a really good way of putting it it takes the the hassle out of running the tournament and makes it so that you know you're not making mistakes you know you're not missing people that want you because you can see <laughs> and yeah. that's that's where i was coming from yeah absolutely. oh yeah i mean I, i'd hate to uh, denigrate the evidently very eloquent bit of programming you've been doing uh, for all of the rest of it that's, that's fantastic <laughs> but that particularly from a the problem is i think with all these things is it should be like a swan. It should be very graceful. You shouldn't see all the workings. You shouldn't see someone pe- uh, paddling furiously underneath. I, I so I guess I was paddling. I think I was drowning. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, periscope maybe then. Yeah, um, but I, I think that's it. From an attendee's perspective, it should look effortless. It, it, I think at the back of your brain, you know it's not. But when it's done well, it should look absolutely effortless. And I think when obviously I've, I've not used it uh, as an attendee and uh, until I do Flotsam and Jetsam in, uh, what, six weeks' time. Um, so that's going to be really interesting and we'll be able to maybe get you back on and give you the, sort of the feedback, have a bit of a, more of a chat and, you know, see let you know how we, we get on with it. I promise you'll be nice. 
You, you don't have to be nice. Honest is, is always welcome. <laughs> you might not want to come on if we're nasty. So. <laughs> we need more content, so it will be nice. Oh, dear. But, um, no, I think it could be um, really exciting. And I've never used anything like it before. As I said, um, we had a little chat, obviously, before we started recording. And uh, the only thing I've ever really heard about this kind of thing is um, recently in, in another 40K tournament, their system crashed. Hmm. And so, yeah, so... I, I really, really like the idea of um, this, and it would be really great to get a good news story out there for it to encourage people to get on board with it. Because as Stu is repeatedly chasing people um, for for the event to, you know, get signed up and, and get involved, how much of that is people sort of having a slight mistrust of that kind of thing? So it'd be great to change people's perhaps um, uh, entrenched but you know ill-informed attitudes towards it. Maybe. Yeah, change is different, and change is difficult. Uh, and new things are, always have a lip, and always have a, a challenge to um, to people being what would being willing to to pick it up. But also, sometimes it's just because it's not right in front of them. People are busy, and they, and they just don't get round to it. I think some as as a, as a developer, and it's what I do in my day job, which is, makes it a bit mad that I've done this for a hobby as well. Um, but as a developer, you can kind of sit there with your software head on and your geek head on and think, well, I'm doing this and it's going to make it easier. But people don't care because they want to do something else for their life. And systems, as well as they are designed and can be designed and as awesome as they can be, sometimes they just people just don't want to use them. <laughs> and, and it's really important to try to get out of geek head and put human head on and just understand that, that what seems important to me or to us as tournament organisers isn't necessarily as apparently important to attendees. And so they'll do things when they're ready. And one of the reasons why I did, did tournay was to make it so it's possible for that. When you're trying to do something manually and you've got to maybe print out sheets or, you know, um, you, your your attendance is, um, is going to be a printed out sheet and you don't even know who's coming, that's, that's difficult because you've got to find time at a printer to print those sheets out and to give them to the person that needs them. If it's on a system and people can do it the night before, then again, that stress and that pressure is kind of taken away. The system will cope so long as people have done it by the time the game starts, the system will cope. It doesn't need to be done weeks in advance. And that was kind of where I was coming from as well. You're taking the pressure off the attendees for having to jump through hoops, as well as taking the pressure off the tournament organizers to make people jump through hoops. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I, so, I totally understand. From your point of view, you want people on board and you want people to be doing stuff right early. But from a system point of view, as long as it's there for when you start, I mean, it's not going to help your peace of mind as you're getting <laughs> there and there's maybe not people on there. What I would say to to anyone that's a little bit umming and ahhing is registration takes 30 seconds. You're putting a name and address, you're picking a country and you're giving me an email address and that's it. And I can say right now, this is a hobby. I'm not selling data to anyone. There's... Um, it's completely and utterly um, purely for the purposes you see. Um, so just uh, you can you can absolutely be confident when you're doing that. And then that's you done. You just need to um, let us do know your email address and then you don't have to do anything else, I believe. Um, everything else will be done for you, won't it? Uh, so it's a really simple process to register and sign up. And from that point onwards, you're, you've got your Flotsam and Jetsam experience nailed in. So get it done. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I, I 
totally understand what you're saying about it. it's been a people are just busy people we all we all there's the, the the joke about people not reading the event pack is 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 completely true um mm. i tend to skim one when i first pay for a thing or just first going to go to an event but then i sort of make note of a couple of mental dates and I, i'm not too bad with it but i know i totally get that you there's bits in there you might miss dates and stuff and i'm pretty sure that most of the people that haven't registered on tawny or haven't given me their email addresses right now it's just because i don't know i was chatting to mess- messaging someone last night i was chatting to, to to ben lamble who i would talked about on the show before i like, hang around with a little bit at, at, at throwing the skulls and he messaged me and said i can't remember how it started but i just thought i just need your email addresses oh i didn't realize it didn't and it's just because people are busy they miss the notification when you post in a group or an event group or something mm-hmm. like that oh they haven't got around to reading the, the event pack because the event's still you know a long way off for them um and they just miss that little bit of information or they're not you know they're not not free to do it at that time it's very easy so i'm not stressing worried yet but um because of (laughs) because the ticket sales haven't gone through it because i've had to do it separately that's the only the only thing i had to do was was sort of chase up people to find out because the ticket was for a doubles team so i Mm. might only have one person's name or just an email address and sometimes people pay for stuff on an email address that isn't the name that's so so is that Collating the uh, attendees list and getting them entered onto the site will be my is my major challenge. I've got all my attendees now, so it's just getting the um, the, the the remaining sort of third of the the teams to register on there so i can get them entered because i want to sit and do it in one go i don't want to do it sort of drill drives but we've got plenty of time yet anyway um and we're not here to talk so about let, sorry Karen. let me touch on one other little thing which is going to be a little irrelevant one of the other things which uh tony does is it does the attendance management on the day so if you want i don't know whether you because it's all configurable that's something to hasten to add there's a very small amount of data that's required to create a tournament and then there's a huge amount of data that's optional yep. and one of the things that you can enable is self-checking so people when they arrive they can tap a button on the on the website to say i'm here um, or you can have someone sat on the front desk that can then check people in there's a qr code that works as well or it's a, a search for a name and then tick a box and then when you're generating your matchups you can decide to uh, either include or exclude people who are not marked as present mm-hmm. so it's it takes that thing is that person in the room can you see them and it hopefully prevents people from being matched up against someone who isn't there so even if you've sold tickets then someone doesn't bother turning up it should cope with that situation as well fantastic what well, is a, is a live question for you something i haven't asked you yet so if someone doesn't turn up on the day is there a easy way of managing the kind of spare player or they just you just manage the use someone that's not there use their kind of use their gap how how would that work so if someone doesn't turn up um then and you, you can mark them so you mark everyone that turns up as, as present and the person that doesn't turn up then they just won't be included in the matchups they'll just never get there okay so, so so a team will be kind of matched up against blank and then you just have to get someone to fill in that gap yes yeah, so it does deal with ringer yes yeah, so it deals with the ringer um, and uh, we'll, we'll, so if you've got a, an odd number of matchups, then the final matchup will be will be placed against the ringer, and then you can just whoever you want to can Brilliant. play that. At the moment, ringer does not get to join the the competition. Yeah, um, there's a potential um, um, change, or there's there's a request that's been put in to make it so that that non attendees can be put in as a ringer. Mm-hmm. So they may not have bought a ticket, but you can put the name in and then Ringo gets entered into the competition, which is quite a cool idea. And that'll happen yeah. at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. If someone, say, for example, someone's playing and then has to go, you can also cope with that. You can mark them as um, you can. 
mark them as either not not present for the next game or not present for the rest of the competition or you can even disqualify people which will then just kick them out of the whole thing mm -hmm. so again it's got all those sorts of functions as a tournament organizer so you can manage your um your matchups finally what i will say is if you find a matchup that you don't like or you want to fettle that matchup say for example like in throne of skulls where they have a live stream and you want to pick these two people to play each other because it's a cool matchup um you can also manually change matchups before you publish them oh brilliant yeah, so it's really ultimately good. flexible that's really good we, you'd very rarely have a clash like that but it sort of can be handy especially if someone requests um not to play a certain person <laughs> let, <laughs> let me tell you a story about articon <laughs> last year there was this guy oh bless his heart it was i think he played army of the dead four or five times in a row oh no Literally, and he was like, I'm just going to go home. I can't do it. And then the matchup came up again, and then he was against the Army of the Dead again. It was like, <laughs> ah, because it, it does work out. It, it, prevent, it can prevent you playing against rematches. Yeah. Uh, within teams, it can prevent you playing against team members. So you can set it to automatically prevent those type of kind of matchups. But it doesn't yet look to see that you're not playing the same army list every time. <laughs> no, that would be crazy amount like, of, of, of God, I don't know even how you come up with it's, that. It's that doable, but it's pointless it's <laughs> because you can change it manually. So yeah. we just went over to the table and said, look, guys, come on, can you be nice to this this poor young man and let him swap? And someone did, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I cool. heard that. I don't know if I've heard that <sighs> on another podcast. I will, I Legendary. Yeah. That that legendary legion and the uh, the models being in that starter have got a lot to uh, <laughs> yeah such a, a cheap way of, of of getting into the game as well so it's a good thing as well so mm -hmm. let, let's let's drag you back to then so the the, the tournament um, or event hosts kind of side of things um, mm -hmm. so there might be people listening to this who run events and think that sounds really good so what kind of experience that um, might they have I mean I can say that. Uh, it's, I found it pretty easy to use. I had a few questions, and most of those questions were because I've added weird things to my event that I wanted to potentially be scored that way, so like extra paint, two different ways of voting for painting, um, and just sort of little, little things like that and about how the second prize worked. So that was more about me adding complication, and um, which you then added stuff to the, the programme that works it so you've kind of developed the program based on the back of me asking for, for bits and stuff and some of them are plans you have but what kind of what kind of experience from a, a tournament organizers um, um, perspective can they expect what kind of information can they put on there what, what can it do for a tournament organizer okay it can do a lot so for the first thing to say is exactly what you've just said this is in development i'm working on it actively less so than i want to be because of time but i am working on it actively and so if, you, if you're wanting to use this and you see so that it doesn't do something that you want it to do, then you can always email me at support at Tawny and I'll be more than happy to talk to you and see whether I can actually provide that functionality for you. Um, and you've just said that's exactly what we did. We sorted out um, some of the functionality around voting for um, uh, for attendee-based voted prizes and also for uh, there were some other things that we did as well. Uh, that covers that that kind of brings segues nicely into the fact that it does support not just playing prizes, but there's three different other types of prizes that it covers. Um, you can have manually prizes, so you can you can manually pick someone to win. So if you've got a uh, you know best cosplay or whatever, and there's a, a guy walking around and he's going to pick out the best one, then you can put that into Tournay and announce the winner over the website as well. So it can cope with, with a couple of little kind of fringe events, as I think of them, not just the main play in the game. So it has that in there. 
the actual um, creation of a tournament is as simple as I could make it. So you log in, you go to the tournament organizer area, and you've got a button there called Build from Scratch. And that's what you do. So you click on that button, and this collects a single page form with maybe, I'm looking at it now, so you put, give it a tournament name, a tournament description. You say what the price of the tournament is, what the days it, it occurs in, and the country and time zone that it occurs in. And that's it. Those That's the minimum data. So there's six or seven fields to fill out. Once you've done that, you've got, the, um, you've got a, a basic tournament. You'll then see that when you click save, you then see that and you'll be able to click on manage um, and it will um, hire and, and it will open a slightly more complicated page at this stage. It has two buttons on it, edit your tournament and non-tournament attractions. So if you've got, for example, um, maybe a pub quiz, uh, which you're running, if you're doing a two-day event and then in the evening you've got a pub quiz or you're going out for a curry or whatever, you can put those sorts of things into the non-tournament attractions and it will go to the online tournament pack so that people know what's going on, when's go when it's going on and where to go. The main one is the edit your tournament, and this is where the system gets quite complicated. I'm not going to read out every single page there is on that, but I think there's 23 or 24 tabs that you can fill out, and don't let that concern you. There are things like basic details, location of the tournament, directions, so how do you get there on foot, by bus, by plane, whatever. You can create the competitions. You can have one or more competitions operating create tickets, one or more tickets, which can either be sold via tourney or, as you're doing, manually allocated. You can set up allocations. So the, the, the way this works, and this does get quite complicated if you want to talk about head-scratching coding, in Articon, and again, that's where I've built it from because it's such a complicated uh, tournament, it's a really good way of, uh, <laughs> of working out what's, go what's good and what's not, we have um, UK and Ireland and the rest of the world. And we have different allocations of sales based on where you where you live, where you reside. And also we have prizes based on where you come from. So there's a little bit of friendly rivalry between home and away, basically. And so the comp so that allocations doesn't just extend to ticket sales, it also extends to what prizes you can allocate. And those prizes are based on the location that the person gives when they register. So that country that you pick when you register does matter. Uh, and it goes on like that. So you can scheduling things, you schedule your competitions, you can schedule your non-tournament events and et cetera. It supports oaths or voluntary score, um, a voluntary, I don't know, how would you describe oaths? Things that you can do that aren't necessarily winning that can give you points in a competition? Yeah, yeah, the little, little sort of, it's a way of adding a side quest, isn't it, almost, I suppose? Yeah, side quest. So you can manage those and they'll be presented and you can say whether your opponent achieved theirs and so that then goes into the scoring and you, all of this is massively configurable. It, it's, it, it tries not to be too complicated. I've tried to break it down into logical sections and hopefully it is logical and if it's not, send me an email and I'll try to help or make it better. But you fill this form out and when you're happy, there is a validation report which tells you what you're missing because it it's easy to miss things so we, the system will say look these are the these are the uh, attributes that i absolutely require you to fill out for your tournament to operate because there's things that the code needs to know about for it to be able to for example um generate prizes correctly because you need to have a competition and you need to have some prizes and and 
if you haven't got that, you won't be able to generate prizes. So it will tell you these things. So it does try to hold your hand a little bit. And once you're happy, once the validation report is green, then you can publish the uh, the competition or the tournament. And that will then appear uh, for attendees to find. And if you're selling tickets, they'll then be able to search and buy the tickets and go through. And it has allocation, as I say, so it won't oversell. It'll only ever sell as many tickets as you've got for sale. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, as I said at the beginning, tournaments are complicated, and so making this simple is hard. What I've gone for, and maybe this is not the right path to have taken, but what I've gone for is to go for the most complicated first. So I've gone for absolutely everything, and you can really create whatever you want on this. It's, it's, it's very, very powerful. The next thing on, on the line is, uh, the next two things on the line, tournament creation are two things. One of them is I'm going to create some... Um, some some tournament um, templates that you can use. So you'll be able to say, I want one that's like Articon, or I want one that's like Nova, or I want one like Flotsam and Jetsam. And that will fill out the defaults, fill out the competitions, and fill out the... It will give you like a framework that you can then edit from. So that'll make it a bit easier for you to create your complicated tournaments. Uh The other thing I would like to do is do pickup games. Because at the moment, it's very, very much around tournaments and big things and uh, as 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 you've said it's it's about that tournament organization that monolithic thing you're going there you're buying tickets and you're and you're playing games but what about if you're just down the, the club and there's four or five of you and you think let's have a quick round robin i want that to be really easy to do on tourney so you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to cr- pr- press a button say create a pickup game you'll be able to pick from your mates say these guys are in it and then there it is done there's nothing more to do so i want it to be like three clicks and you'll be able to start doing a quick round robin fun because friendly friendly um rivalry that can generate um and so that those are the next two things that are coming to make it a little bit easier to set up uh once you've created your tournament there's you can um set people up into teams and into doubles if you don't want them to create them if you want to assign them yourselves it allows you to do that um it handles via paypal it handles refunds and uh people can sell their tickets and uh, yeah i mean i could go on for hours it it does a lot of things i don't want to make it sound scary because it does a lot of things it just tries to make those things easy yeah that's 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 fantastic that's um i mean pretty much summed up my experience when i first sort of logged in and, and started looking at the fields i started thinking oh there is a lot to enter but then i really soon quite quickly realized i didn't need to enter it all so especially when you, you mentioned things like the you can enter in details about the hotel and your walking um directions and your directions by train and stuff and i just copy and pasted see event pack etc because i've put a page on the back of the event pack so you can add as much or as little of that as you, as you wanted to and then the sort of the key of it was when once i broke down into the actual competitions was was, was getting those prizes right so that people could vote on all of the things that they want you know they should be voting on for so some of it's going to be team-based so the doubles partnership that you're voting for your best your best sports you know obviously you can only vote the people you've played against but then opening that up to all 40 individual armies that are going to be there um for vote for the the peer-based best painted so getting you know it it can do all of that so it works both well so it's absolutely fantastic and uh, i can't wait to can't wait to try it out and I, I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about the the kind of the really easy quick and and, and pick up games and doing those kind of mini round robins um i know that sounds like something that 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 you guys do at Legend of Peterborough, Dan, isn't it? That sometimes you'll have, you're, especially beginning, you're playing quite small games, so you kind of play two or three games in a night. That could be perfect for for those sort of club nights and things. 
Yeah, and um, we've been in dialogue with uh, with Harry, Miss Parkhill, uh, regarding getting the imps over to Peterborough, and that could be a very good uh, outing for that as well. Uh, you know, maybe make that my around one, and we could potentially turn it into something a bit of a run, maybe our, our version of the Ashes or something. <laughs> that could be well, quite cool. The, the top table gaming guys are doing that little bit of a rivalry thing at the moment. With, I can't remember the name of the uh, so it's. Uh, Manchester versus Leeds, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so Leonidas yeah, games, is it? I that's think. it, Leonidas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I think they're calling out quite a few people. I think he wants us to go up and and play. So it'll be a case of there's not as many as us. So uh, maybe we'll just go up for a visit. So it's getting it's getting the time away from family to go up there, getting the wife pass. Um, so um, so what was what? Is there anything you haven't mentioned? Sort of f- other future things that you you'd like to do for Tony? Any future visions for it? Um, oh dear, oh dear, loads. So I I use a geek thing called Trello, which is like a um, a ticket planning thing. So you can record your ideas and put them in different columns and move them around. Um, and that's linked at the bottom of the Tawny website. So anyone can see it. It's public. You can always see what my plans are. Um, and what I'm currently doing is adding free, ser- free text search on the tournament name, um, and finishing off the requirement where a competition requires multiple lists. So that's where maybe you've got good and evil and you alternate, so you only ever play good versus evil. Um, I record all defects, so if there's any issues on the site, they're also, also on there, so I'm, I'm completely um, like open about that. Um, and if you ever have any ideas and send me a suggestion, then I will create a ticket on there and send it back to you so you can see it if you're interested and you can track it over, and I tag that as suggested by user. Um, some of the, I mean, the biggest thing that I'm working on at the moment and the big thing that I want to get done is the mobile app. At the moment, it's a website. I've tried to make it so that it looks nice on a phone, but there is nothing like native. And so myself and a friend are working at the moment to put this into a native application uh, for attendees. It's not going to be a native application at the moment for organizers because I figure that you'll at least have a tablet and it does look good on a tablet. Yeah. Um, but hopefully a laptop, which it works best on. But that's the biggest thing that I think will kick people's um, people's use of it. Going to a, a Chrome or whatever on your phone, logging in, it's not a smooth um, experience. And there's a lot of things that, that actually is far harder to do for a mobile um, device when you're on a um, on a on a browser than if it's a, a native app. For example, you could on a native app receive a notification that your game's about to start, uh-huh. or you could receive a notification that you input your scores and the other person thinks you put them in wrong. Right. I see. Yep. And, uh, and that's not really very easy to do. I mean, there's a lot of press at the moment about Chrome blocking annoying notifications, and I haven't even bothered putting them into Tawny because they're just annoying me off. So <laughs> I annoy everyone else. Yeah. Uh, but if you have an app um, and you put your scores in wrong and it can say, by the way, we need you, we, one of the reasons why we were delayed at Ardacon last year was because one person had a mismatching score and it was relatively high up in the table, so we couldn't guess and then they'd gone out and decided to go and get yourself a bite to eat. <laughs> and so we couldn't get hold of them. But if it was a mobile app, then we could have pinged them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so so the mobile app is the biggest thing, and that's going to make a huge difference. And it's probably the biggest feedback I get from attendees. It's been used quite a lot of time. The Norwegian Masters used it. Uh, it's used down in Australia a few times, um, obviously Ardacon. Um, so I've had quite a few uses in the last couple of years. Some big and some small, and a lot of good feedback. And the main feedback is, I wish this was a native app. So we're working on it. 
I can understand that. That would have been one one of the things I was thinking about when I was was setting up. Was thinking, I wonder if that's something you'll be looking into. And yeah, you, you've answered that question for us. Well, thank you very much for talking us through Tawny. I, I'm really excited to to use it. Um, excited to um, see how it all goes on the day. Fingers crossed, everything goes goes well. I'm sure it will. Let's... Talking you through or bending your ear. Sorry, I'm quite passionate. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. I, I really wanted to um, have a proper conversation about it rather than just over Messenger anyway. And I wanted other people to hear that conversation and, and get a bit of an idea because those are people that have been to Articon know what this is other people that haven't been to Articon that go to events might be thinking what's all this about I've not had any questions from my attendees about what it's about but um, I'm sure there have been a few and maybe some of those people are people that haven't <laughs> registered yet so if they've listened to let's, this let's finish will... this off by let's finish this off by saying one thing that's changed since the last Articon which is the score entry one of the biggest issues it, it's an honesty system so if the if you if you and your opponent enter the same score the system will presume it's correct uh-huh. but previously on doubles it required you and your partner and your opponent and your opponent's partner so four entries before yep. it was a valid score what i've changed it to be done is the first person that puts the score in wins and everyone else can then go and check and say yes this is right yep so it's a far smoother experience and that was one of the biggest feedbacks that we had from Articom, and that's now been fixed oh, so fantastic. if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh god that score entry system that was me as a geek i said it earlier as a geek you can kind of go in your head and think this system's great it's never going to have a problem never going to have a mistake but also it's going to annoy people <laughs> and <laughs> and so you need to kind of build that usability in and so i've improved that and that that score entry is now is now i'm, I'm very happy with it so yeah oh that's pretty and and with four people there's going to be one of those four people is the kind of mini leader in that group. There's always someone that takes charge, isn't there? Yeah. And, and that will be the person that does that and everyone else goes on and, and checks. So that sounds good. Yeah, it's a much easier process. Yeah. So let's talk about something else you've been doing a lot at the moment. Um, we touched on it at the beginning, but let's talk about your YouTube channel, Beard Clipper. So um, <laughs> where, did all, where did all that start? I'm going to mention Top Table Gaming again and blame uh, Ben and Steve. It's their fault. <laughs> all their fault. I had been thinking about doing a YouTube channel for a while. I, I, I love my uh, train making, and um, I, I had a YouTube channel which I called the Mod. I didn't use because I realised it probably gave the wrong connotation. Not the beard clip was much better. Yeah, the internet but, uh, <laughs> just cut out for a second there as you were saying the name oh. of your old um, channel. What was the What was the name? The uh, it, it was the modelling beard. Oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's not that's still there, but I've not used it. So <laughs> what happened was, uh, Top Table Gaming do a brilliant thing where they ask for a community, uh, one of their members of the community, to do a video that they can then publish on their YouTube channel just to get that excitement going. And so I was asked to do it, and I and I thought, oh god, I'm going to really struggle to get ten minutes in here because that's what Ben said he wanted. And by the end of it, I had about 55 minutes of footage and I really struggled to get it down to 15, 20 <laughs> minutes. And I thought, you know what? What happened that week, I was really not in the mood for hobbying. I was tired and yeah, I just was going to just take the whole week off. And then because I was doing that, I became energized and I did loads. And it, and, and uh, rather than taking time away from hobbying, it made me more, want to do more hobbying and think more about how I can fit small bits of hobbying in those five, 10 minute gaps you get in your day to achieve something. And so when I did that and I had a really good feedback from people that saw the video and everyone said, oh, you should do this. And so I just started doing it. And now I'm putting three videos out a week. Um, I've just done my 14th hobby vlogs. So that's 14 weeks on the trot. And yeah, 
it's I'm, I'm i'm loving it and while i'm still enjoying it i'm going to keep doing it it's I, I never did it to do anything big or to try and get lots of followers or really anything like that it wasn't really why i was doing it it was because it, i found that it helped my hobbying mm-hmm. if you see what i mean yeah i can i can tell i can see um how all the sort of the little projects you, you're wanting to give the update for the next i remember where you're talking about some some pillars and things that might be delayed from for something for your Moria board on one of your videos and you were disappointed that you're going to have to put that project aside for a, for a, for a few weeks until the bits turned up and uh, I can see that I can see that you're really passionate about doing each project and I know that because I paint for work I know that sometimes uh, painting and getting myself back at the table again in the evening it can be a bit of a, a drag but once I start I see it and I get going and I've been working on something something this week that we probably talked about at the beginning of the show that's not been recorded yet um, but I've been uh, wibbly wobbly timelines and all that but I've been smashing through an army and, and as soon as I got the, the, the you know I want to do this and I want to do this army quickly an army wasn't planning on doing for months or years maybe um, and, and as soon as I got that going I just wanted to do it so I can totally understand how the, how the channel may have um, sort of it made you made you kind of really want to do do all these projects what puts me off doing doing video kind of stuff is just the amount of time it takes to edit video how are you finding that oh you see because i talk to other people uh, i talk to luke from luke's aps and i talk to Lockie from zorpa zorb and they spend hours uh bb and steve they've got a very good process in place now which is fascinating to me as a process guy the way they film their bat reps but it still takes a lot of the time because i'm doing this kind of for myself um and um, I don't know. I, I also really don't want it to take away from my hobby time, and that's really important. And why I put off starting the YouTube channel because I thought it would. I have a I have a process and a very very simple way of editing. Um, there's there's basically no frills. Uh, I record live. I do some double or triple takes, but very very rarely. Most of the time, what you're seeing is the first time I've shot it, and that's it. Done. Mm-hmm. If I'm not happy with it, I frown. I go, oh well, and I move on. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so it's important to me to keep that attitude. Yeah, and that works. So what I then end up doing is the um, the editing I can do because I'm a software developer. What well, I've got two laptops, and I'll be sometimes I'll be editing during the day, um, and it's as simple as dragging a clip into the editing software, waiting for it to load, dragging the next clip in, waiting for it to load and then just trimming the beginning and the end of each clip and then yeah. putting a crossfade. And it's nothing more than that. So the the thing that put me off exactly the same, this editing thing is going to take me hours and hours and hours, and that means I won't be able to have fun doing my hobbying. It's ended up being very limited, but only because I'm not trying to be polished. <laughs> let's let, let's see where I am in the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, that's how we edit. That's how, well, that's how I edit this show, to be honest with you. Apart from the only editing I really do is trimming it at the beginning of an end of a section or mm. like when we have little little moments with the internet, which we did a few moments ago, I'll tend to go in and trim those silences out and make sure that it sounds coherent. But the rest of it's all pre-recorded. I have a template for the show with the intro and the outro music and the, the adverts and stuff in, and I just slot the, slot the sections in. And, um, exactly. Yeah, I, and you're I, ruining the mystique. You're ruining <laughs> it. I make this sound so difficult, and you're just ruining it for. Me. 
I always say it to, to Tom, who's the co-host on my other show, is is that that you you if you make the sort of the intro and outro and the adverts all sound pretty snappy, that you can be quite loose and messy with the actual conversational parts. But then, in, because you kind of edit it in, sort of sound like cheesy radio, people kind of think that it's a polished show, and it's 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 just the same <laughs> as the kind of any other rambly podcast, but without those bits in. But it definitely helps a little bit. But I I used to upload shows for my other podcast to YouTube as well, and all I do is put a still image on. But even that would take ages to export the 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 all the music files and the files for me to do it. And I just thought, oh, if imagine doing this with actual, you know, proper video as well as just audio against a, a blank file. So it definitely put me off. And that, and I, I think I'd probably freeze if I had to talk into a camera for too long. <laughs> I, I have a I have a ridiculously powerful computer, my software development job. So I'm lucky to have the hardware which I had bought anyway. Yes. So that's not cost me anything. Uh, the only thing I've bought really specifically for it is a lapel mic um, mm-hmm. and a new and and, and a new tripod. <laughs> I'm I'm just so I'm determined that it's not going to distract me or detract from my hobbying. It, it's it's a it, it's an encouragement and a motivator. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's driving you to do it, it's perfect. Well, so your camera looks really good at too, and I don't know anything about. It. That's the other thing that puts me off is what kind of camera would I need to purchase? Which I imagine I'd uh, want to save some money on it and then end up buying twice, which is 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 never a good thing. But um, I, I bought this years ago. It's a 750D, uh, so it's a it is a very good camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I bought it for photography because I love photography. But then got so busy doing other things, writing Tawny. Funnily enough, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ask me how many hours I've spent on that, and, and I'll, I'll scare you. Um, and and so it sat in a bag. And then when I started doing this, I was able. to literally take it out of the bag put it on an old tripod and go so again that was lucky i didn't buy and have to buy any equipment for that i know a lot of people do it on their mobile phones and yeah keep lapel mic from wish for a fiver and use your your phone and, and you're away yeah i might I, I don't know i might try and do a couple of walk around video type things for at the event or maybe just do it on facebook live to be honest with you but i might i might try and do a couple of things and i'll just buy a little holder for my iphone and um and a little mic and have a little play and if it's no good i won't bother uploading it but we'll play around <laughs> but I, I, I don't I, as much as i might enjoy it i don't think um i could like as i said i could talk so confidently i think i'll just freeze as soon as the uh, i press record be weird <laughs> um but um so have you got any have you probably said you haven't really but i imagine but have you got plans for the channel or are you just going to keep going as you are which is working by the way it's great well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm going to keep going as I am. Uh, I started off just wanting to do the vlog, and I was only going to do that on a Sunday. That was uh, that was it. So because I had s- s- such good feedback from the one that I did for Top Table Gaming, which was in the vlog style, and I'm going to continue that vlog. I, I really enjoy it. The, the progress you can see uh, works really well. I'm then also going to continue doing the Build With Me's, which are now going to start to rumble out. It's taken a while to get some completed projects actually all on camera. Some of the ones that I'm doing at the moment have stills that were taken uh, pictures before I did the channel and me doing a voiceover. Uh, so they're going to be those are, the, uh, those are the two main kind of outputs that the channel is going to be doing. I'm really enjoying doing the simple tips. I think a lot of people come onto YouTube and try to pretend they're really good at what they're doing. (laughs) Um, And maybe they are really good. Maybe it's only me that's an idiot mistakes. But I think it's so important that I keep those mistakes in and then do videos showing, look, I did this wrong, and this is how you can make it right. A good example of that was one I did uh, a couple of weeks ago now about the rolling pins from, um, what's it, from Green Stuff World. Yes, yeah. And the amount of feedback I got from people that watched the video, why are you doing this? Try this, do this, this is a better way of doing it. 
And I took all of that advice and I've got another one that hasn't come out yet. It will be coming out soon, another video. And I can tell you, I, 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 I'm, I hope people don't think that I'm preaching to them on this channel because I know so little. It's, it's again, it's trying to inspire people to just give it a go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be some kind of genius level like Luke Towen to produce good product. You don't have to be. You can just give it a go and you'll be surprised at what it looks like. But no matter how good you are, you, there's always something to learn. So it's it's a there's a feedback loop going on there as well, which yeah. is which is really beneficial to me. And since then, like I say, I've used these rolling pins and the and the out, outcome I've got from them since doing the first video is yeah I've I've learned so much. So yeah, and I would like to do some bat reps. I've got a fantastic idea that I'm not going to spoil about how I'm going to do a battle companies. Uh, mm, campaign um, and watch this space I've not seen anyone do it like this and I'm not going to say but yeah you, that's going to blow people's minds I think uh, and I've done a one so- solo playthrough of Unbroken and I've got a few more plans to do that and a couple more board games so there might be some more stuff like that it's a very generic channel I don't know how how it could be marketed because it's just me doing what I'm doing in my hobby life <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> people like that, though. I think um, mm. some people, some people really like the when they listen to podcasts and things for a while. They quite like the, the getting, getting to know, even though they don't know people, getting to know the hosts and they feel like they know mm. them. And I, I wonder, I wonder whether when you go to come back to the UK and go to events and things, you'll have people coming up to you and, and that you haven't met before, but they talk to you like they know you because they've they've seen <laughs> you on the t- television. So we've chatted on Messenger, <laughs> but then. <laughs> I, you'll have heard me on here and I watched your videos so I kind of sometimes when you talk to people for an interview for the first time on a, on a podcast you, you, you kind of do the little introduction bit at the beginning but I felt like I already knew you a little bit as well which is and that's a lot of that will be down to watching you on the channel so it's all good I'm the weirdy beardy in the old school yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, that building really interests me, but that, that we won't won't be something to talk about on on the podcast for now. But um, so, what what plans have you? Final question, then, really, before we let you go to bed, because I know you're two hours ahead of us here, and you'll be up nice and early with with Rosie, no doubt. Um, what plans have you got for SBG this year? Are you coming over to UK to do any events or anything? Are you, are you able to get up, get over here, or probably not, unfortunately. Uh, and the main reason for that is uh, being a father. Uh, being away is tough. Um, and while we came as a family to Ardacon last year, when Rosie was a toddler, she was uh, six months old, that was probably a bit easier than, um, well, she was a babe in arms. Now she's a toddler and running everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a year old in two days, and she does not stop. She is running and running and running, and we're exhausted chasing her. <laughs> and imagine that when you've got all these armies on a table yeah. and you've got a toddler running around reaching. So... Sadly, I think it's going to have to go on the back burner traveling, and I don't want to go on my own. I don't like it. I like to be with my family. So that sort of stuff is going to mainly be on the back burner uh, where I'm away for for five, six days because of the flying over and then et cetera. Um, And hopefully we'll be back in a couple of years' time with the whole family in tow, and I'll be able to attend things like Ardacon. I would like to get over for one of the weekenders that the uh, top table people run as well. They're mm-hmm. a bit more casual gaming sessions rather than it being competitive. But I'm sad when I'm saying this because I love rolling dice and I love playing the game, and I do miss it. And making that decision isn't the easiest decision to make. I could be very selfish and say, no, I'm going. But then I would miss them, but also Angela would have to put up with that little terror on her own, and that's not <laughs> fair either. So, yeah, so I think I'm just going to have to be a bit sensible, a bit adult, I guess an adult for a bit, and, and say, if we can't come together, then, then I'm not going to go. 
Um, so yeah, uh, so so the answer to that is no, sadly. But maybe next year, maybe maybe twenty twenty one, she might be a bit easier, and we might be able to work that out, and I might be able to get. I can I can completely empathise with you having going through it now and having been through it once before as well. It is very very difficult at this age, and and you've got the added distance to add to your your, your gaming as well. Um, I tend to do one day events and just a couple throughout the year if i can just uh and, and fairly local i'm um, throwing skulls is the only two day one i did last year and might be the only two day one i do this year to see how it goes so totally understand right well, yeah the two-day event for me would be thursday to tuesday yeah 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 massive massive amount of time. <laughs> unless you can turn it into a bit of a family holiday yeah like you said it just become a bit of a, a bit of an issue um Right then, well, thank you very much for for giving your time over and, and coming on the show and talking about Tawny and Beer Clipper and, and just generally being friendly. Um, um, and um, it's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, we'll um, we'll you know, have you got anything you want to say before you go? Anything you want to plug? Or we've probably done it to death actually. But if there's anything you want to say that we haven't covered um, before we let you go to your bed, ready for your um, day of working and looking after your linen tomorrow. <laughs> Yes, and finishing off that Hobbit hole for a birthday, which is now um, two days away oh, and God, yes. isn't finished yet. <laughs> Panic. Uh, you'll see that on Sunday on the vlog. Um, no, uh, the only thing to say is about Tawny, if you've got any questions, drop me an email. I'm very responsive. I, I sit at my desk all day working, and so I'll generally get back to you within a couple of hours. And give it a, have a look at if it does something or it doesn't do something you want to do, as you've just said, Stu ask me i can always say i'll give it a go and try and change it and that's how it becomes better it's it's not a profit center for me i make money other ways it's a passion project and it's there to try and help things uh, help people do things easier make it easier to run tournaments and make it easier to attend tournaments and so the more people do it because then more people get to make friends i mean when i first went to Articon, i didn't know anyone i'd been playing the game for six months and i went along to the biggest uh, uh, tournament at the time and it was the people. It was the people that made it. And the uh, friends I made then, I'm still strong friends with. I had my doubles I did with Steve Crow. I met Ben Bowles there. And those are the two people that got me doing Beard Clipper. So you just never know where to take you. And that's why Tournay exists, is to make it easier for people to run them and attend them. So <laughs> if, if, if I can help you do that, then just get in touch and I'll to help. Well, you're 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 definitely very very helpful, and you um, well you've helped me out loads during the process. Dan, I should ask if you got any um, questions or any comments before we we let Andrew go. Uh, no, other than the fact that I have recently picked up your vlog, so I was watching your Hobbit Hole build um, with all the tiny little clamps on the uh, fence. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't we mentioned clamps, awesome. have we? We should mention yeah. clamps. I need to go. Oh my yes, my clamps. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you know I've got uh, twenty four more of them on order. <laughs> yeah, I think they're on a truck somewhere in Europe right now, and I cannot wait. <laughs> more clamp than hole after a while. It was, uh, but yeah, I was, I was really enjoying that. Um, there's obviously quite an extensive back catalogue of things to go through. After me, obviously, uh, I've not been watching the media, uh, so to speak, for um, Middle Earth for as long as Stu has. So I've got an extensive back catalogue of things to watch and to look at. Obviously, the new um, Zorpasorp turned up in the last 24 hours, and that's to watch, and I've got more bits and pieces of yours to watch. So it's quite good. It's more stuff to uh, do while I paint or glue myself to things, which is more <laughs> case at the moment. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Andrew, for your, for your time, and um, I think we'll go and take a little break. It's 
hello again so hopefully you enjoyed our um lovely chat there with andrew um i hope you'll get him on again in the future um i'll definitely be talking a little bit about more about tawny post frotsam and jetsam and how i how i felt, felt it went and how it worked um i'd be interested in um any feedback from people who have used it so articon or used it at other events and things and what they think um but really we're here to say goodbye um and say thank you for listening to another show um i haven't got a lot of shout outs to do i mean i mentioned um a couple of youtube things i've been watching recently and i will always try to do that um to give, give give people a shout out of things i've been doing just in case you pass on some useful information i've been reading a little bit more of the drawn combat blog which is really really good i think um dan slob was at an event in the last week or so and they did, did a little bit of a write-up on that and he i think he won four out of four games and, and won so i know he's and then he posts in the group and listens to us so well done Dan for that so if you haven't checked out that blog um, and judging by the the figures he posted up of like the 40,000 like views on the page I think a lot of people are <laughs> clicking on that blog but if you haven't already I'll give it a check what about yourself Dan you got anything you want to say before we close the show out yeah just just the usual sort of um, Legion of Peace for War Gamers um, obviously thank you to um, Harry and Jeremy for saying such kinds of things about us on the recent cast um and just generally for all the people putting out some really great content at the moment. Um, Andrew, again, for coming on and for continuing to post really cool stuff. Um, clamps, obviously. Gotta love that. <laughs> Gonna buy some, um, actually. I haven't done yet. I keep thinking about buying some. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got any fences to make at the moment. I'm not sure what I'd do with them, but I, I might get some for the case. You never know. Better to have them or need them, etc. Um, but yeah, just uh, it's some really good stuff going on hobby-wise at the moment. And it's uh, always good to you know get those juices flowing. So thanks to everyone for doing that cool i suppose you're talking about sharing hobby stuff um so that nice little segue onto our um, social medias so our group's growing nicely at the moment so please come and join our um, facebook group and um share your hobby on there um just whatever happens to be whether it's a, so if you're a content provider whether it's a blog or, or a youtube channel or another podcast or something you're more than welcome to as long as it has a link to middle earth in one way or another um, you're very, very welcome to post your stuff and share it up in there while you while you kind of spam groups like I do when we release a show. So have a have a look on Facebook, look like our page, and have a look at the Facebook group. Um, you can follow us on Instagram as well at uh, OOTFP Podcast and on Twitter at OOTFP. And if you do want to just email us directly, it's OOTFP Podcast at gmail dot com. But um, thank you very much for listening to another show. Um, you know, we keep saying that we we don't know when the next show is going to be, and we keep kind of recording. It seems seems fortnightly at the moment, um, and I I think looking at what we've got planned coming up, it'll probably be similar similar time scale again because we've got too many ideas and too many things we want to talk about to um, spread it out any further. Um, and I think Dan and I are enjoying this a bit too much to to leave it a month between recordings. And I think um, yeah. Sam would love to be on more if he could. He's just very, very busy at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be too, too long before you uh, hear from us again. So take care and uh, we'll catch you soon. Run!